Fields, issue three. Hey guys, welcome to Minefield. My name's Joshua Michael. This is my best friend Colin. We've got what? a lot to talk about today, and uh, we just want to know: Are you receiving this transmission? This transmission is coming to you. Is it coming to you? It's so coming to me. <laughs> Bring the transmissions. Bring the transmissions, guys. I got to let you know before we get started about all the comics we got to talk about today. Uh, we've got, I think I've got five, I think you've got like, like, actually six or seven. You've been on a roll this week, haven't you? Sort of, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I have to admit, guys, I've always been a Star Wars junkie, but I have not been a Star Trek junkie until I met Colin back in 2010, and it wasn't until he described to me about how the warp drive worked, and until you develop it, you cannot be part of the Federation or even be contacted. That's <laughs> when I fell in love with it. However, I've seen all the movies. However, I have not watched Next Generation, and I've been watching it like someone that smokes crack on a heavy dose of crack that wants more crack. It's awesome. Oh, crack. I love that crack. I love that crack. Uh, he made me promise to watch it in a row, also not to cheat and look on IMDb and find out any spoilers, despite the fact that I don't know how I feel about this Q character at the moment. <laughs> Man. It's a lot of fun because uh, the droid, I'm watching him on Skype right now, just to smile on his face when he mentioned that because he just knows all this stuff that I don't know. Uh, a lot of people don't know. He's actually the one that actually took care of and managed and founded the Star Trek Archon back in L.A. because he was the guy. Oh, he's the oh well, I'll tell you. I mean, I don't know about founded, but... Um... Yeah, I can go in on. I can talk about this a lot. You got uh, to dress up for months <laughs> in a dark warehouse all by himself with every oh, thing you can imagine. And so they erroneous. But uh, so I've been watching Star Trek, and I'm on episode, I believe, uh, let's see, episode one, episode uh, season one, episode nine, hiding Q. Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. And if you guys hear me clicking, it's because I'm going to Memory Alpha, and I want to, I want to double. I, I got to fact check everything. <laughs> Do it. I like, and I like when I can hear our uh, keyboard clicks in this and stuff like that. It just, uh, even though I have a touchscreen monitor, but um, no, let me clear that up. Really, um, what Joshua is telling us all, our subscribers and our listeners and our readers, is that I was the the project manager for the It's a Wrap Star Trek auction in Los Angeles from, oh, 2006 to 2009. And before that, I was working with Mike and Denise Okuda um, while they researched Star Trek props, costumes, and, ward and um, set dressing for the Christie's auction that happened in 2006, October. And uh, before that, I mean, I was working in film in my home state. And before that, I had watched Star Trek my whole life with my dad. Um, 
we watched the movies and then if the original series was on I would watch it but really and truly what it amounted to was that I in college I would I would leave my house and I would come over to my parents house and do laundry and watch reruns of Next Generation then new episodes of Deep Space Nine and then new episodes of Voyager and then reruns of the original series on Sunday nights. That was just how they were playing it. And I, so this is just a massive Trek dose on, um, on Sunday nights. Sometimes peppered in with the X-Files. And oh my god, I loved Space Above and Beyond. That was what... I couldn't wait to watch that every week for that one tragic season that that was on. But what I've done is I've petitioned Joshua Michael here to do not get online and read everything. Imagine, Americans, if you could go back in time and watch Next Generation, maybe Deep Space Nine and Voyager and even Enterprise, anything, in whatever order you want to, for the first time. Because I remember these guys when I was in high school that had seen this ridiculous movie and they were like, oh, we can't wait, you've never seen it, we can't wait for you to watch this. You know, you still encounter people, like my most recent girlfriend had never watched Star Trek or Star Wars and I kept thinking, this is going to be great. I mean, she, how could you not like this? And we're beyond that now. Like, the opportunities did not exactly present themselves. Joshua Michael gets to watch Star Trek from beginning to end Never having watched it, but being vaguely aware of all of these characters. Everybody's heard of Worf. Everybody's heard of Picard. People have heard of Data. Data is a big deal to me right now because of what I'm reading. Because uh, we talk about the road to WrestleMania. We're on the road in Marvel to 2020. And I hope they're really going to do something with that. We talked about that in the last podcast. I want everybody to be aware of what this could possibly be and we don't have any inside track stuff on that so data is very much like machine man and uh that's something i'm very excited about right now but anyway i mean star trek the next generation what what are your takeaways immediately the fact that i can't stop watching it it hooked me better than like the punisher i wasn't hooked on violence i wasn't hooked on over violence ultra violence whatever you want to call it mm-hmm and I liked the thought process. These people have to think their way out of everything. And especially because lately, uh, about a month ago, I downloaded a, a, a 3D chess game on my iPad. And I've been <laughs> playing it incessantly, uh, constantly increasing the uh, difficulty mode. And especially when Q was saying, it, it really, I loved when Q said that you can really tell someone by how they attack. Uh-huh. And I, I think to myself, that's why the computer knows that it can beat me all the time because I'm always going, you know, for blood. That's and scary. that's not that's not <laughs> what he's doing. I really like Q. I, I haven't decided if I like him or not. I have the distinct inkling I'm really going to like him. He's definitely one of those, uh, I don't want to call him an anti-hero, but he's he's something that's a little bit beyond our consciousness that really just likes to learn and test things and that really intrigues me especially Picard I I love Data Uh, Natasha oh my god we're gonna have to tag her in this podcast uh, hashtag maybe we'll get her attention because oh my god is she beautiful 
I did cheat already, so she's only in 33 episodes, which makes me sad because there's like, what, 128 episodes, something like that? I can't remember. What The figure I always recall is that there are, when I was finishing the auction, we quoted it as there were over 700 hours of Star Trek to watch, and we had to research through it all to verify if a prop had been used in one episode or multiple episodes and how had it been used and tragically you'd have like a special weapon that appeared in one episode and then it would appear and it's like inherit to a particular species or circumstance and then it would show up again later and you're like why does the maquis have veron t disruptors and i know you don't know what that means and god bless you for that i'm so excited to experience you experiencing this for the first time and um i have so i have a content concept for you to talk about after we're done with this tonight uh so don't let me forget that i'm gonna write that down i won't i won't forget man mm -hmm. uh one it's one thing that i've always thought if i ever had kids that i can't wait to show them like the original star wars trilogy to enjoy it through their eyes though in and feel it like because God, I would do anything to feel that again. Like it, like the first time you fell in love, like the first time you got to kiss someone, the first time you saw Star Wars and and Vader. And it's funny because now Vader's not so scary, but when I was a kid, Vader was a villain. Totally, villain. Totally. like he was so something to be. Like he was a boogeyman. I had and bad dreams about him all the time. All the time, and that's not the case anymore, which is fine. But, uh, you know, we got to experience something the way we got to experience it. It's not the same anymore. Uh, I did get a little bit of a dose of it during Rogue One at the end when Vader showed up in the tunnel and just the, the light slightly shone on him and oh my God, lightsaber yeah. on and just murdering and cutting these guys down as they're like, help us! And, mm -hmm, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get that trying to get the information out of that little that little corridor you know lead to taking off in the ship to, to Leia and yep. you know it's hope but that murderous scene that is Vader that was what I think we've all been wanting that you know Vader in the armor with the red lightsaber messing people up fierce I would take a movie of watching him kill off the remaining runaway Jedi I, we, as a person who played the West End Star Wars role-playing game, that was always the threat. If you guys don't rein it in, I can find a way to get Vader here, and you're not going to live. And that's, I mean, <laughs> not at all. That's it's an evil thing to do to people. But I, you know, I wasn't on a, I wasn't on a date when I went to see that. But I went with a friend of mine, and we, she and I were already ripped up by all the things that had happened in that movie. And then to get to that point, we were openly weeping in the theater, and we weren't super comfortable with one another, but it was happening because we were experiencing that problem simultaneously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Star Wars, Star Trek, first time, it's awesome. It just frustrates me to think of people who aren't willing to give these things a chance. And it's the weirdest thing about Star Trek is that when you find someone who's never seen Star Trek before, they want you to know how never before they've seen it. They want to see... They don't even know they're doing it. It's subliminal. It's like this strange thing that we're all supposed to enjoy... I don't know. It's like this That's... unconscious problem. 
And That's then, fascinating. Yeah, you get somebody and they're like, oh, I've never seen it before. Yeah, I've never seen one episode, not one movie. Yeah, I don't even know who you're talking about. It's like, okay, okay, whatever, clearly. Uh, I don't well, know before- how to identify with you as a human. But. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's difficult, especially when it's so ingrained in your moral code and how you live your life. Because that's that's one thing most people like. Well, you know, we grew up in the eighties, nineties. Mm-hmm. People don't understand. It, it, it's so much more than nerd or dork culture. Like we lived by this, like by these moral codes that we read in comic books and in in the sci fi movies and. What little anime we had, and they just don't understand it. And but especially when you just said right here, they make a point of saying, and a big point, yeah, that they have never seen it, and they really want to hammer it home. I've never seen it. I don't want to see. It. I didn't want to see it. Yeah. And but what they're really saying is, is just 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 show me how. Just show me how. how. Yeah. Listeners, subscribers, let us know. If you... You might be a Doctor Who person. You might be a Star Trek or a Star Wars person. I don't have a problem with any of that. You know? Joshua has tried to turn me on to Doctor Who, and the only thing that stops me is I don't want to watch it alone. I had a, a... a Years ago, I had a girl that I was working with, and she had a Doctor Who phone case. And oh, I was like, oh, hey, you got a Doctor Who phone case? She was like, oh my god, you know about Doctor Who? And I'm like... No, I actually don't, but I was I was interested in dating her, and I thought it would be really cool to, that'd be a thing that we would do, is you can revisit it, and you can be excited. I mean, this is a thing we want to share, you know? Like it, It's it's a it's a personal part of ourselves that is per- it's a lot. absolutely personified in pure Technicolor. There's no ambiguity. It's mm-hmm. not like where you're retelling a story and it becomes this oral tradition. No, it's in stone. This is what happens. Doctor Who's kind of hard. Uh, I got into it. Yeah. I got into it when Christopher Exelon, uh, Christopher Exelon, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Destro himself. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't go. Don't he's go that part of the rabbit hole. I hate those he's movies, a, but I, he's a good Destro. I loved him, but whatever. Uh, he was Destro, so I was hooked. I loved him. Just one season, I loved it, and then. Um, What's his name? It's succeeding on my mind right now. Got him. Oh, now you say it, I can't come up with it. I know, tragedy. right? The tragedy of my genetics, it turns why am, out. Um, why am I spacing on it? Don't worry about it. Carry on. Somebody's going to let us know. <laughs> I know, right? We should uh, live cast this. Somebody would have hammered it I in know, by right? now. Like, everyone's going to get mad. Like, these <laughs> dumbasses didn't remember this guy's name. I, I got to do it. There's too much. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. There's too much content out there, guys. I mean, when we're talking about 700 hours of Star Trek... David David Tennant. When we're talking about 700 hours of Star Trek, how many seasons of Doctor Who have there been? And then Star Wars is its own finite thing. You know? It's only so many episodes of The Clone Wars. It's only so many movies. It's only so many books, and then it's 25 more books. The continuity gets gigantic, and it's like, what do you really consider as a big deal? But let's rein it in, man, because, I mean, Star Wars is a whole yeah. minefields. Doctor Who is a whole minefields. G.I. Joe is a whole G.I. Joe, man, get us going about Larry Hama. Get us going about Hasbro. Oh, man. I mean, G.I. Joe has been a gigantic part of my life. I could literally, I could literally get you to do an entire essay on G.I. Joe in your sleep if I whispered 
Larry Hama in your ear, <laughs> even if you're say, passed out drunk. Oh yeah, I will say right, this. Yeah, but you know, for, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to say anything about GI Joe right now. We need to rate it in Star Trek. We, let's go. We, we, let's we go on about Star Trek in. for five minutes. Tell me what. Tell Star me what Trek. you like. Well, like I said, I like the mm-hmm. uh, absolute moral code. I like how Picard obviously has some demons he's got to work out. I hate Will Wheaton. Mm. Everybody hating on Wesley. I don't think it's justified. I, I like. Uh, I just feel like he's that action figure that like someone bought you because it was for a dollar on sale, and you're like, <sighs> man, Wesley. I specifically Wesley. bought him. <laughs> Wesley, like, like, like buying the kid from Mask. Okay, you get him in the little R two D two robot. <laughs> like, why did you buy? There's like, this was five dollars or two dollars back in 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 the uh, late eighties, and you only got it because it was on sale because no one wanted to buy it. And there's no car, there's no motorcycle, or truck, and you totally jit me. <laughs> you totally jit me. I do not want this little kid. Um, it's it's still fun. I'm I'm actually looking forward to uh, Whoopi Goldberg because I just love yep. that woman. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. And I was surprised to find out my entire life I thought that Troy was Mexican. And then when I started watching it <laughs> recently, I was like, oh, that is one really odd Italian woman. And then, and no, she's Greek. She's and English. Then, she's actually she's, an English national, if I recall. She, she's Greek descendant English. Yeah, that makes sense. And unfortunately, the first thing that popped in my head, it was like, God damn, how many razors did they use on this woman's face? Ouch, rough. That's, that's, <laughs> she is, she, uh, come on now, Rain, let's cool that one off. She, uh, <laughs> she definitely um, uh, is, I think maybe the next generation casts biggest fan of fans uh recently this is 2019 recently i've seen posts where uh she's still with Riker. so like she still poses in the same poses with Riker. she and they adore each other everybody in that cast loved working with one another i love that Uh, i love that when you get when you get later into it don't just i'm just telling you like don't start reading into it Get to like season five. There are so many great spoilers and satisfying aspects. There, the whole—that's the thing we talk. Everybody, we talk about spoilers all the time, and I mean, not spoiling it for someone who's never seen it. We're already doing ourselves an injustice by telling Joshua, telling the world that Joshua's watching this and uh, he hasn't seen it. He's gonna get blown out by spoilers yeah all right so fine let's do this let's do this i'm gonna Uh, you get you get a you get like three to five seconds to come up with one word and i'm just gonna spit out and i'm gonna say what what's your first thing you think of when i say this okay Okay. and these are all next generation related jordy reading rainbow (laughs) nice okay great great uh wharf Takes everything literally. That was way too long. That way took way too long. But yeah, he kind of does. Um, all right, Riker. Uh, sex addict. <laughs> In f- what? What did you say? Four episodes? Nine episodes? How many are you? <laughs> yeah, nine. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. Um, uh, okay, the Enterprise D. Ooh, I don't even know what that is. 
That's the that's the Enterprise. The Enterprise one seven zero one D. Oh, one seven one D. I love the fact that the saucer separates from the engines. That was awesome. That's really cool. They had always talked about the probability that the other Enterprise models would have done that. This is for you. Everybody else knows this. Uh, but uh, they'd never done anything with it until that first episode. And for such a cool feature, uh, you know, spoilers maybe, they don't do it that often. But when it happens in that series, it's a big deal. That was awesome. It, yeah. Like the, 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 the sheer magnitude that they had to line it up manually to reconnect. Mm-hmm. I think that, that was, yeah. That, that... That was good. That was something that really – it was such a good writer way to instill trust because, dear readers, doing issue number one or episode number one is excessively hard, exceedingly hard. And in order to enjoy this uh, group of misfits traveling you know, the, the galaxy, you got to oh. instill the trust. You got to instill the trust. And that was such a good way that the writers started it out, that they could have that trust in one guy. And as they get the trust in, in Data, I love his little quips with uh, Riker. Uh, it's it's so much fun. And, you know, you've got Will Wheaton. Uh, even though I like to hit on him, I do like his character quite a bit. And I totally well, would have been. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, in person, Will Wheaton is one of the coolest guys you're ever going to meet. I've heard that, man. I've heard that from a lot of different sources. That guy is absolutely a total sweetheart, will sign anything you want, mm-hmm. will say whatever line you want him to say, take any photo you want. And I love that, especially when you told me that Bill Paxton will say, game over, man, <laughs> oh, man. to yeah. anyone, no matter where he was. And, you know, just so happy that someone would recognize him. And so thankful for that sort of uh, fame. Bill Even Paxton, though, though, God rest his soul. God rest his soul. Oh my gosh, what a tragic loss. Actually, I had Nightcrawler on the other night for a minute. Did you watch that movie, Jake Gyllenhaal, Nightcrawler? No, I didn't. Oh, uh, I, I really wanted it. to. Watch I would have loved movie. it. I had, like, it looked it looked promising. I think it would have been a lot better if they'd staged it in the 40s and made it like a hardcore noir. Detect- oh man, that's an interesting thing. point. And can white. That's an inter- interesting uh, it, it, point. It lacked that point. Yeah. Uh, even though I didn't see it, I saw the trailer. And I'm like, why isn't this in black and white? Why isn't the 40s? Um, that that was the first thing that popped in my head. But let's uh, let's move on yeah, to the progress. comics, guys. Let's progress. Let's, let's move on the comics because I will, I am so eager to absolutely drop a huge steaming load of crap <laughs> on the new issue of Hit Girl number one, written by Kevin Smith. Ugh. And uh, Kevin Smith, Sorry, the folks. artist, not a fan. Pernil, Oram. The last, the last uh, six issue is, a series of Hit Girl was really cool. She's in Rome, taking down a Catholic mafia. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a knockdown drag out. You read it in five ten minutes, no big deal. But this one, this one actually offended me, but not in the triggered way. Uh, the the cover is ugly. Like, how did you not? I, I saw the variant and I saw this one. I'm like, how? This is terrible. This is bad Photoshop. Like, I like it, it's so bad. I feel like someone did it in Microsoft Paint. Is it Hit Girl and, Season Two, by the way? Image Comics. Hit Girl right? Season Two, yeah. 
Okay. Image Comics issue number one. And immediately you turn the page and and you get immediately disjointed because the interior art is very similar to that early 2000s. America is getting really into manga, like overly pastel Mm, flats with like with hardcore washes going over it. And there's no dialogue in this. There's maybe like two things of dialogue and they showcase a, a school shootout, a school shooting, like some 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 jerks show up in trench coach and start shooting people and and it looks ultra violent and hit girl just smashes through the window magically because she just knew these guys were gonna be there and she cuts this guy's head off uh the people that are hiding are smiling at her and she knocks a bookcase over the last shooter and as she whistles her way over there uh he hands her a book called uh here for two hit girl where she finds out that there's a biography about her and that they're making a movie about her in hollywood oh ding 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 uh what happened in 2001 when i was in college and got free tickets to go see jay and silent bob strike back what is she gonna do she's gonna go to hollywood after she cuts the top of this guy's head off and then kicks it which has bothered me because you can't kick a human head they weigh like 30 pounds and (laughs) even half of it like Every a soccer ball a head, yeah. and now she's on her way to la to stop the movie and i have been exceedingly displeased with kevin smith as we talked about it the other day that he wanted uh tom cruise to be the new wolverine which is just okay i get it you're not fat anymore you don't drink and you don't eat red meat anymore and you're vegan and you're what you had a heart vegan? attack yeah he lost is all he that weight man he, yeah he's healthy he lost he well, had like a him. He had a heart attack that they called a Widowmaker, actually. And oh, my gosh. I didn't yeah, know that. But, you know, I'm glad he's alive. I don't hate the guy, but, like, I feel like he's fallen into that Hollywood trap of, like, dumbasses that think that their ridiculous way of life should be imposed on everyone. And that no. is what I feel yeah, is getting yeah. pushed on me in this comic book. He's recycling Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. The fact that there's no dialogue is so lazy. You've got the opportunity to take Hit Girl, one of my favorite comic book characters uh, by Millar. That was so mm-hmm, much fun. Mm-hmm, and it, this was lazy. It, it's not even talking heads. It's overwashes and maybe five panels per page. It, it, oh, it wow. was too. It was too easy. And I, I feel like he he just shit this out. If if I could just interject here two things uh fans and subscribers listeners anybody we really honestly started this podcast uh concept as as an opportunity for us we're already on the phone all the time talking to one another and try and kind of trying to sell each other on what we're reading and what we like and why we like it and i'm not going to say that we're always just like oh my god, this is awesome, and you should check it out. Yeah, that happens. But we try to get a little bit deeper than that. Um, So I I want you all to understand, of course, that's the going thing. If we're reading something and we like it, we're going to say something. If we don't like it, we're going to say what we don't like. Uh, And and I hope that it comes off as objective. But personally, and I, I know I'm getting the impression, I mean, we've talked about Kevin Smith. Man, I'm sorry. I'm not a fan. I've been really 
And maybe we're going to get to that point one day. I don't know. People can criticize the bejeez out of us. How much right. creative content have we generated? But, like, yeah, you can say what you want about the dude. He had a solid streak in the 90s. But, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know, I like his Daredevil. More or less, was, I like his, his Daredevil. Daredevil. His Daredevil was great. Uh, but I don't wanna... This was lazy. This was lazy, yeah. and I see what you're saying. We don't just want to say everything's good. I remember originally wanting to do this and never talking about anything that was bad. But no, this so, was. A, I think it's okay for us to do that. I mean, it's. Just, I, that's what I, we I found do. this offensive, especially like okay, I've I've lived all all around the world. I've never lived in a state or a city where a huge mass murder happened. But I live in Colorado. Dude, you have now. hold up, buddy. You have. <laughs> well, well, Alabama was one thing, but I was a kid. Dude, I did see the Klan march. You might have been you might have been living in Norman, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's still OKC. Okay, right. But like my, my point is, is I live in Colorado now, and people do not joke about Columbine here. That's a fantastic crispy that, point. People do not joke about Columbine here. When I was a kid, when it happened, I wore a trench coat all the time. They took my trench coat away. Okay, I understand. Uh, big deal. I had to get a new coat. But here, there's no. There's no such thing as about joking about school shootings. And then I'm not saying that Kevin Smith was joking about a school shooting. I'm don't read too much into that. I'm saying he used it as a write a lazy writer's tool to introduce a new facet of Hit Girl, which was lazy with no dialogue. Mm. If you're gonna do a school shooting, have some meat and potatoes. Yeah, how can we fix give this? Us, what if what if they get what if the opportunity had come our way? How would you do it differently? Obviously, I would focus dialogue. on the victims. Okay, dialogue, okay. but I'd, I'd focus on the victims, and I would especially focus on how why this happened. I, I would want to know and get into these kids' heads why they would want to go and kill their fellow human beings, their fellow children. That would solve some sort of problem. That some high school problem. I mean, we're, I'm 36, you're what, 42? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't admit to uh, that often, that, folks. That, that sort of stuff is beyond us now. Like, you know, I remember when, when my dad told me, like, okay, these problems are going to be, they're peripheral. You're going to have to get over it. They, they don't, these things don't matter right now. Mm-hmm. And these things happen, and people go to school with guns and, they're using it as this tool to to tell a really shitty hit girl story, dude. For real, if the ne- this is the number one, if the number two issue doesn't continue to delve into this situation, it is a total blow off, and that's a that's an unfortunate uh, lack. That's an unfortunate failure of an opportunity to make a serious point about something that is absolutely prescient. Agreed, and and especially after I know that Kevin Smith can delve into those things. I've seen his movie about uh, trying to make uh, the the new Superman movie with Nick Cage and (laughs) and, uh, Tim Burton. That was fascinating. That would have been awesome. I've seen him talk about his trials and tribulations and trying to get uh, Jay Muse off of heroin. This guy has it in him. This guy has it in him. So this is and, disappointing because he hasn't gone the distance. Are you willing to give issue two an opportunity in an effort to see if there's a grand scheme? I absolutely will. Okay. Uh, I, I've already gone too far with Hit Girl. Hit Girl I'll, I'll read pretty much anything Hit Girl, but I, I, 
and then tying it into Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back that she's going there to stop the movie. You know, what yeah, why the should F she give care? it? I mean, yeah, why should she care about? I, I understand that, but like, you know, you go back to like uh, Bendis in Ultimate Spider Man, and there's a Spider Man movie, and, and young Peter Parker is just like, what is this? I'm not even getting anything off of this. I'm suffering out here. I can understand this, you know, I can understand that scope of things, but seriously, yeah, man, the opportunity to do something about that. A school shooting got a. a, a People, just like I've reached out to you, we wrote, we reached out to you uh, a couple of a couple of uh, recordings ago about the about suicide. I mean, just like if you feel that bad about things, you you gotta reach out. You gotta talk to people about it. Do you fear the consequences? What's worse, you're gonna give up your life. Rather than face the very real consequences that you're going to go away for a while, maybe that's what you need. I live in a town where there was a what we call a mass casualty event, and that girl pleaded guilty, but there's a and she's got jail for she's in prison for life. Plus you're talking 10. about that girl that drove into the that got drunk after leaving work, the waitress that drove into that OSU crowd uh, during yeah. right before the football game, right? It was the homecoming day parade um, two years ago? Her name that was terrible. I, maybe I shouldn't say her name, but because um, I mean, obviously everybody can look this up, but you know we don't need to um, proselytize. I'm not sure if that's the right word. The point being that um, what's worse, you know, you want to kill some people and face those consequences, probably die, or do you want to? Take a second, reach out, and get some help. Maybe you stand a chance of having a normal life after that. Maybe you don't, but at the very least, you haven't you haven't evangelized the horrors of what you're going through onto people who have nothing to do with it. And I don't care whether or not you think that they're the reason. You have to separate yourself. I'm sorry. This might be too much. This might be too much to say about it. Maybe... Maybe this, maybe, maybe Kevin Smith's going to spend a whole issue about that. I have no idea because uh, I didn't know this was coming up. We don't know, but I think you're but. right. I, it's disappointing of a guy with the caliber possibilities of narrative storytelling like he has, especially after Daredevil, especially after Karen Page. Go back and Even check his- that out. Even his Green Hornet comics that came out like what, like when like two thousand nine, uh-huh. those were phenomenal. Like Alex Ross was doing the covers. I mean, like he really hit it home. He did his research. Yeah. Uh, we might be speaking too early, but let's let's move on. We've, we've yeah, spoken too much yeah. about Kevin Smith. Uh, Sorry, what Kevin. Do you got man, Kevin, week? if you got something to say about this, please let us know. You know, I just I, I think I, I'm sorry. I kicked my mic. Uh, yeah, man, let us know. I I still love, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, there's Kevin, there's plenty to respect. I respect I'm tired him. of it, tired of his shtick, but still, I don't like comic book men either. But I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be happy to talk to him about virtually anything. I, I agree, and the guy's a, a, a cornucopia of knowledge, and I'm sure he's yeah. a nice guy. I mean, you're not going to save your your best friend from heroin addiction if you're not a nice person oh, and care. Um, but tusks suck, dude. I'm sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> I want my two dollars from the red box back. My, even my mom, I watched that with my mom. We $2. were ready for 
my two bucks. Actually, like one fifty. What do you got for this week? What do you got? What do you? Man, what's the first? I, I'm, uh, I'm not honestly, folks. I don't feel like I'm completely there. I feel like I am trying to realize something that is bigger. Honestly, I went to my local shop, Legendary Comics, Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, not to say I wouldn't be going to any of my old shops if I didn't live there. Uh, and one thing I did, we didn't shout out to, uh, I feel like we haven't done it in other episodes, but, um, House of Secrets, Olive Boulevard, Burbank, California. Love that place. I, 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 man, just the fat stacks of Silver Age books I picked up there. Oh my goodness. Love that place. Um, used to hang out with Tom Kinney there. Don't think he remembers me, but whatever. Um, look him up, folks. Tom Kinney. He's a bigger part of your lives than you realize. So the point Pepper is... Pepper the cow. Rocking yeah. modern life. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, used to go there with Cody. Cody, uh, yeah, I can't, I, I don't know if I, I don't know. Cody, my buddy, my best friend Cody when I lived there, um, in Burbank. Cody Rhodes? And, uh, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. Uh, that's a totally different Cody. Long story long, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading stuff that is not, uh, n- nothing that I subscribed to came out this week, and uh, so I picked up some back issues, mainly based on our previous podcast, uh, we were, Joshua was kind of dissing the new Tony Stark, Iron Man number eight. And I read it, and I saw all of this stuff that ties into, like I saw it said at the beginning of our podcast 2020, I got super excited about it, and I pulled out all of my Machine Man books. Consequently, I found out that I do not have an issue 18 of Machine Man, The Living Robot. And um, I had my original uh, appearances of Machine Man in 2001, A Space Odyssey, numbers 8 through 10. And I reread a bunch of stuff this week. Of course, one of my favorite books ever is Machine Man 2020 by uh, uh, DeFalco, uh, Herb Tramp, Tom DeFalco, Herb Tramp, and Barry Windsor Smith. Also, Larry Hama, series mm. editor. Mm. Say, say, say those three words say again. Barry Windsor Smith. Larry Hama, <laughs> series editor. Big fan. Oh, and... Um, so, I mean, I'm reading a bunch of what I could only quantify as definitely Bronze Age stuff right now. I'm not ready to go into it and start explaining that, except to say that I, you know, the 2001 A Space Odyssey issues, written and drawn by Jack Kirby, um, man, I grew up watching 2010, the year we made contact, the year we make contact. Now, say that again in... And hear me. Just listen to me. 2010, the year we make contact. I don't care if you've seen 2001, if you can't stand it, if you think it's the best thing ever, because I know a lot of actors who think that is an actor's movie. I know a lot of directors who think that's the director's movie. I know a lot of people who think that's one of the best movies ever. I have gone through it, and it is trying. It is an endurance challenge. I'm not trying to watch it. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's. I've tried to watch it sober and high, and both times I it was difficult. (laughs) Well, you had tried to watch uh, Encounter at Farpoint, at least hammered, and you watched it not the other day, and you loved it. Um, Let me just say, I grew up because I was a child in the '80s watching Peter Hymas, 2010, the year we make contact, 
And that, that secondary title is what says it all. You have to have the sequel to get to that point, to know where it goes. And I read that book. I, I was living back here after my stint in L.A., and it was coming up on 2010, and I said, I'm going to do this. And I read 2001, and then in 2010, I read 2010, and I got to live to the next one. <laughs> I can't remember what it is, 20, oh, 2032? I can't recall what it is. It might be 2063. But uh, 20, 2001, A Space Odyssey. First appearance of Machine Man. A character that is impossible to take seriously any longer. But in this book, it he is the most... I don't know what to say. I mean, he is, he is hurting in a way that people hurt. And uh, I'm not going to say that it isn't silly in some spots. Especially... In uh, in the second in, in in issue nine and ten, but um, especially with the little kid character, and especially with all the little callouts to actual Marvel comics and superheroes. But um, man, I gotta say, wherever this I got I, I, wherever two thousand one was going before Machine Man, this is a chapter unto itself, and I don't know where it went after that. I need to get the entire series and check it out. Um, Machine Man is X-51 of a robot series. X-35 is breaking down because it can't wrap its head around. It goes crazy, basically, and it's killing military personnel on the base where it's been developed. And uh, they say, we've got to stop the program, and we've got the only way we can defeat these things is to detonate the bomb that's planted in each of them. And so they kill all of them except X-51, who had been sent to a world-renowned researcher, Dr. Abel Stack, who raised X-51 like a son to be named Aaron Stack and was given a face. None of these robots had been given a face. And um, Aaron Stack accepts the fact that he is an android, but he cannot be told that he's not a fully realized person. And uh, he knows he's better, but why should he pretend that he is if he is? He's going to go along through his life trying to, trying to be part of the human experience. But he gets captured, and his face is taken from him by the villain. And therein, he experiences the monolith. A monolith of 2001. And when, you, was... think of, when you think about that monolith, man, in the, in the movie, it's kind of a stargate. It'll take you somewhere. Uh, and we can't know where that goes unless we read those books because we haven't penetrated past that one movie. So you've got to read those novels. Arthur C. Clarke, everybody. But um, he sees the monolith, and we don't know what it tells him. But I desperately want to know. And then, if you get into Earth-X, many years later, the monolith show appears to him again. And... Uh, 
it appears to him multiple times. I'm fascinated to see where it's going to go. You know, the whole, the story of Machine Man. The tragedy is that Machine Man becomes something that we can't take seriously. Especially when we get into Warren Ellis's next wave Agents of Hate, which was so much fun. Nevertheless. Was, uh, I was so happy you lent that to me, man. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, I was reading that when I was in Burbank. I was buying those at uh, House of Secrets. And then I picked them up in uh, trade paperback. And um, I gotta say, yeah, Machine Man is a fascinating character. I'd love to see where he goes. And, uh, you know, Joshua and I both definitely have plans for him in some of the material that we've uh, developed in the last few years. And, um, you know, next year in Jerusalem, folks, maybe we'll see if we can uh, write to you some interesting stuff that incorporates that character. I will go into much greater detail on Machine Man and um, the 2020 sequence, uh, you know, definitely before 2020 and hopefully during while that material is out there. But, you know, so basically, I'm sorry, long story, everybody. Uh, none of my material, none of my, um, none of my subscriptions were at the store when I went there this week. And so I went on a massive tear. If you've been reading Tony Stark Iron Man, number seven features Sunset Bane, who is Madame Menace, a very under-the-radar villain in Marvel Comics. And um, I think she's she's somebody that they should be doing something with. And I'm glad to see somebody paying attention to this right now. And, uh, you know, I don't even have that issue around right now, um, that, number, that number eight. Um, I went back and I reread... Iron Man, Tony Stark, Iron Man, six and seven uh, that have come out, and I realized that I have a two and a three, and I got to figure it out whether or not I have all of it. I'm sorry, I don't know everything that I've got. Sometimes I'm one of those guys, uh, and uh, I mean, at a certain point, you're picking stuff up, hoping you're gonna like it, and it, maybe it sits there, and then you don't realize like a year later. Um, Sunset Bane, Bane Tronics. Another arch nemesis for Tony Stark, but becomes in the Machine Man books in 1978 and after the quintessential bad guy in that book. But yeah, we'll go into more of that later. If you have questions, let me know. If you have comments, let me know. We'll 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 go into it. Well, we're actually going to be doing a mini issue about that exclusively on Machine Man mm -hmm. pretty soon. Actually, uh, our podcast is. Uh, evolving from every single issue into something a lot more than a podcast so we're gonna be having a lot a lot of different mini issues that'll just pop up randomly that i hope i i actually know you're gonna enjoy i want to talk about winter soldier number three now oh man yeah I've, I've been i've been wanting to talk about winter soldier for a while but every time we recorded it was in between us getting reapproved and approved on apple and issue three came out on wednesday and to go back to what we were talking about when we were talking about school shootings and redemption, this is the quintessential book for redemption. Winter Soldier, who is one of the people that have done a lot of bad things, Very done a lot of Widow. bad things. Very Black Widow, and he's trying to clear a slate. Mm -hmm. And issue one, he's starting basically a program uh, with the government to find people 
that have done things they're not too proud of that want to redeem themselves, and he's helping them find peace, uh, not just finding them and taking them to uh, witness protection, but they're making amends, and then he's helping them find places where they can rebuild their psyches, their lives, and along the course, uh, a kid named RJ shows up that has been trained by Hydra, to specifically find the Winter Soldier and take out everyone that he's trying to protect. And when he first encounters Winter Soldier, he gets the upper hand, RJ does. But as they're escaping the Don, they first have the knockdown drug out, and the first guy that Winter Soldier's trying to protect, you know, gets executed. They encounter the guy that had been training RJ, and the guy betrayed RJ. He just you failed, you know, there's no room for failure in our program and tried to kill him and Bucky saved him. And this third issue is him and Bucky hanging out. They they're at Bucky's cool. house. Winter Soldier knows he's li- knows RJ's listening to everything. So he's outside talking with uh, Doc Samson actually. No uh, Doc Samson Yeah, Doc Samson <laughs> is actually the uh the psychiatrist that's talking to him. You know, long green hair, ponytail, everything. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, just asking him questions, just going through what's going on in your mind. Like, uh, let's get to the bottom of this. Helping RJ actually figure it out for himself. And RJ overhears a conversation with Winter Soldier and Doc Samson. Like, you still keep in the journal? And yeah, and, you know, I don't, you know, I'm the only one that's ever going to read it. And RJ's obviously listening, goes upstairs and reads it. They encounter another baddie. There to take him out because they're there to they they find out that one of the people in the protection program that Winter Soldier is trying to help has been might have been, uh, you know, been made. They show up to help him. Yeah. You know, made fabricated. No, made, you know, like the the mom found him, you know. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. All right. And. They go to this cabin. He's like, I swear I've been followed. And, okay, we'll just hang out for a couple hours. And this, like, God, I don't even want to call him a Z-lister because, like, if, uh, we have to invent <laughs> another letter for something less than Z. Uh, Z-lister Spider-Man bad guy. The Spot shows up oh, with his – uh, oh, the Spot is so lame. He's basically Wait. Bugs – he's a Bugs Bunny Acme factory. <laughs> he's – he he's just made of those black holes and he spreads them out and he can punch you through them and wait did you and, read him in uh jessica jones the year before last uh, oh god that was terrible oh uh, no hold on, let me rephrase that can you, no no the story was great the story was great but the spot was just such a he's lame a, character and, he's a spectacular spider-man character if that tells anybody anything <laughs> He's not web he's of a Peter he's Parker not unlimited Spider-Man. He's not amazing. No. He's spe- he's a spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man character. That that goes that and, says a lot to me. Okay, his showdown with Jessica Jones was awesome. Like that, but you know, Miss Marvel was there, so it was yeah. there was a lot of extra things going on there. If anybody can be and, bought to help you put a little muscle, the spot needs some <laughs> cash, guys. <laughs> yeah, he's just there with his acne black holes, man, like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and acne. him and yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 painting the uh, the tunnel on the on the wall, hoping you run into it. <laughs> and uh, 
So Winter Soldier gets his arm cut off earlier in the episode or issue. Tony Stark oh, is fixing Winter Soldier's arm and says, hey, you should really have a backup for this. And while <laughs> this battle's going on, RJ does what he's told to do. Not because it's the right, it, not because it's what Winter Soldier told him to do, but because it was the right thing to do. Get, get the witness out. Go save him. He takes care of business, but at the same time, though, he heard what Tony Stark said. He was listening the whole time. They have a backup arm, and RJ had a backup arm for Winter Soldier. Oh wow! And Is it, what's it dives made into of? one of the, dives into one of the black holes, ends up in that weird infinity where the black where he punches through and. Oh, wait, Winter no, Soldier. Wait. What is it? Is it the dark force dimension? Do we it's know not, where he goes? It's 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 basically an all white room with a bunch of black spots, man. That's dude. Oh wow! It's, it's, all right, this could be something. I'm gonna look this up while you're telling me. Go ahead. It's Corella Deville's jacket, dude. And, <laughs> and right. that's where that's where the 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 spot hangs out, and he's got Winter Soldier on the ropes, and RJ shows up to save the day with the new enhanced uh, Winter Soldier arm, hooks it up, and. You know, they take care of business, but my takeaway from this is that it doesn't matter how much of a piece of crap you feel you are, or that even if, especially if you were born into being it, you can always change your story. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And what made me so sad when I was buying it on Wednesday, George over at Muse Comics in Colorado Springs here. What's up, George? What's up, Amanda? What's up? Was that I was like, make sure this is my pull list, and he's like, oh, dude, I'm, I heard it's really good. I'm sad it's a limited series. I'm like, oh, dude, don't tell me that. <laughs> I was expecting hey. this at least go on for a year. Hey man, and... I'll tell you what. Lately, I'm not gonna lie, the best Black Widow books have been six parts. Oh, I agree. That's I agree. Going, I that's just... going on for most of a decade. I don't know why they wouldn't do that with the Winter Soldier. I mean, what we had that Phantomix book. A few years ago, that oh, unfortunately that was, was that was gnarly. That, yeah, unfortunately that, was that only gnarly. lasted so long. By the way, the spot. Yeah. <laughs> comic book database says using his space warps, the spot can instantly move himself from any part of his body, from one er- from one space area to warps. another over a theoretically unlimited distance via another dimension nicknamed Spot World. I'd love to tie this into <laughs> cloak of cloak and dagger or Darkhawk or. Null space. I don't know. There's a lot of crap out there that this should tie into. Okay, carry on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Spot bog- I don't no, want to get bo- bogged down by the sp- by the science. Corolla <laughs> jacket and <laughs> and the police cops in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> it's an Acme black hole. Just admit it. <laughs> He came out way and, before that, though. All right, um, all right. Somebody he, needs to do something right. serious with him. All right, so again, uh, I never want to ever forget, it's written by Kyle Higgins and Rod Rice. Rod Rice's art, it's mm. not Talking Heads, which it, it's, it's. I can't tell if it's digital, but it definitely appears so. It looks like digital watercolors. And oh, neat. It's, emo- it's emotive. It's emotive. He wastes no piece of of panel. Yeah, it's definitely digital. It's definitely digital. This is digital watercolors, and 
it's not talking heads. Like you, you see RJ crossing his arms in therapist uh, sessions. Like it's yeah. just the, the, he he frames the eyes. Uh, good job, man. Good job. Mm. Uh, before we move on to whatever Appealing. else you're reading, I I, I want to talk about the new uh, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man number fifteen. I'll go for written it. by. Let's see here. Nick Spencer. Thank you, Nick Spencer. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, more glories. Loved it until it got too convoluted. And I'm a little, I'm a little saddened because uh, Chris Piccolo is doing the uh, pencils. I love Chris Piccolo's work, but uh, Ron Otley was supposed to be hands-on on this, and it worries me that... It, I mean, if they've got a, a D-lister or C-lister artist to do like a, a filler in between while he gets caught up that's one thing, but Bacall is doing it now, which worries me that there's some trouble behind the scenes, which is fine. I'm sure he'll get it together. I mean, like he worked for McFarlane for a while, he worked for Kirkland, I mean, he's all those issues invincible. But it's uh, Spider-Man. He is trying to save Aunt May after the rhino ran through the restaurant she was eating at in Taskmaster, and the little ant guys show up to capture the rhino. And Spider-Man doesn't care. Rhino's captured in this, like, bubble. Taskmaster's taken him away. He's pleading for Spider-Man, you're my friend. Help me. And he doesn't care because May's in there somewhere. And as he's going through the rubble, he gets through into the basement, and he has nothing to worry about because May is already on it. She's already has people bandaged up, stabilized. And my takeaway from this was an Uncle Ben takeaway they mention it oh really it's, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around this because yeah parker was raised by you know ben and may and mm-hmm. they it build their values you know you got to be a good person they taught him you know they obviously encourage his work in school but if ben hadn't died what would have spider-man become oh man Ben's it, death, I- it would have been something completely. I think it. I think it could have been better. You think? Okay. Oh, I, I think. It would have I have. Been, I have I opinions been, on this. What do you want to say? I uh, got opinions on this, though. I, I want to say that if Ben hadn't died, it would have been years before Spider-Man got his foothold and what he actually had to do. Obviously, with great responsibility, we don't want to hear that whole thing again. And that was the main foothold. Yeah, but you he told him that while he was alive, and you don't think that Ben would have drilled that into him for years no, if he'd survived? No, because – no, I don't think so because if Ben hadn't died and he hadn't realized immediately that his powers were something that needed to be respected and to protect people, there would have been years of him floundering and, and, and you know continually trying to make more money off of what he was able to do. I, I, I don't think that he would have actually been the Spider-Man that we know. Let's take a couple of things later. into account. Not only do we have so many what ifs. What if this guy got bit by the spider instead of Peter? Peter mm-hmm. always is in those circumstances the unifying feature that shows up and makes somebody understand that with great power comes but, great responsibility. But, but, if, but if, you if, can't factor any of that into anything because the first issue, 
Ben is dead. Yeah, but keep in mind, this is a high school-aged kid, and not to disparage the thousands of unfortunate high school-aged kids who are running away from home every year for whatever reason, Peter Parker was not going to be that guy, even with superpowers. And if he'd been sneaking out and going and wrestling, or if he'd been sneaking out and finding celebrity appearances and making money, he's coming home. And he is a character that is, at his very core, good-natured. Go back and look at even... Go back and look at uh, what was that wonderful line from the uh, James Garfield Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker. He, he says, "What is he?" It was, she says, "You know, that's a pretty girl." Oh yeah, well she's no good for. I'm no good for. Her. Says if there's anything you are, it's good, and that's straight up the truth. You know, you go back. I love who that. Can, who can lift lo- Thor's hammer? Thor, Superman, probably Captain America. And Peter Parker, among others, Beta Ray Bill. Let's not I'm count just, him out. But Peter Parker I, is inherently good, and I think whether I or not he had Ben, he was on the right path, and he could have been better if Ben had survived. But there would have been years of him making more and more mistakes. I think His he mis- would have had eighteen months at most of mistakes. Well, he's a high school kid. I don't think he would have left home. I don't think because he wouldn't have right. been. Allowed, they they would have been like, no, there's no freaking way we're gonna let you do this. There's no way we're gonna let you leave home before you're ready, before you're in college, before you can start making your own money. So it would have forced him to go make money one way or the other. And if he was making celebrity money, he's gonna make some kind yeah. of a mistake. I'm not saying years. I'm I'm discount. I'm not. I'm I'm debating your years. I think it would have been 18 months at most before Ben would have reined him in. And Ben being there in his life as a fledgling superhero. Ben would have figured it out immediately. I think they would have. Ben Peter. Ben would have Peter, known he left you, immediately. He left your window open again last night. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. Uh it's interesting. Uh you're I think asleep ben would all have the locked, time. Ben would have locked that door or locked that window, and Peter would have had to come in the front door. Or he would have ran off and hid somewhere else, and he would have come in the next day with some clothes. Ben is a savvy guy. May is a savvy person. They wrote her so fragile, but she was so fragile. My grandmother, my grandfather died in 2000, and uh, my grandmother disintegrated over the next almost 10 years. And that's the fragility of Aunt May. I think that uh, I think that with Ben there, Aunt May stays savvy, and she's more Sally Field than Rosemond. Uh, oh, Rosemary! You, 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 crap, I can't think of it. From the oh, Tony, I love uh, from the Tobey Maguire movies. Those older actors, uh, and uh, I, I hesitate even say that like they're being dismissed that they're older. Uh, the guy that played Ben was in like Bonanza, <laughs> like like oh, hell yeah. yeah. Cliff, uh, Hell yeah. Oh, why can't I come up with these things? Let's fact check it. Carry on. Carry on. I don't mean to I remember being hung over at, at Long John Silver's in Norman one day, hanging out with my big brother Jim, and we're eating some greasy fish. Oh, I was, and he's eating my fries. And we're watching, like, they had Scooby-Doo Manans on TV. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's Uncle Ben. Um, God, the, 
you're you're so absolutely perfectly right about the ideas and ideals that Ben and May had, especially when you read my mind when you said Sally Field, because I've always loved Aunt May. Can't not love Aunt May. But when I really, truly, like like a, a whole other valve in my heart opened up was yeah. in uh, Amazing Spider-Man number two when um, Parker is grilling her about who his dad is and she loses oh, it. You're my boy. You're mine. You're mine. Like, like okay, not the birth brother, birth mother. Yeah, yeah. But you're my boy. You're mine. And her rage and her thought that something <clears throat> could happen that he would learn to make him not love her as his mother. That fury, that love. Oh, my God. A whole other valve in my heart, heart opened up. And God, I, I openly wept in that movie. It, it just, it just froze me. And like that, that part in time, just froze her. Such a wonderful actress, just bringing oh, May alive to a whole other level. My You're only, my boy. My only disappointment with uh, Sally Field is that silly business. We gotta give, we gotta give Aunt May something to do during the power outage. And uh, she's going to be a nurse, and she's like, okay, let's go. We got the power back on. Woo! And I'm just like, guys, we don't need this. I don't need this. So the city is without power. This stuff going on everywhere, the focus is, I don't need this plane to crash. I don't need any of that stuff. It, by the way, folks, it was Cliff Robertson as, as, uh, as Uncle Ben in Spider-Man 2002. Plus and Rosemary Harris as Aunt May. Let's hey, let's do a poll. What? Who do you like best? Who's the best Uncle Ben that we've seen? You know, Cliff Robertson, Martin Sheen. My God, Martin Sheen seemed born to play that role. You yeah, go back, it was oh, really for, good. I was kind I, of pissed when they first cast him, and then when I saw it, I was like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I I can't judge. That text message or that voicemail message that Peter eventually listens to. Yeah. Over crushes over. me crushes me and then who's you know i mean yeah. so i mean cliff robertson that scene boy. in the car especially even even when it's technically ghost ben parker i'm sorry is it ben parker or ben richards it's ben ben parker ben ben parker i yeah and that that scene in the car before peter goes out and the way he suffers from that the car. gunshot wound before the car, when he's like telling May, I'll talk to him, I'll talk to him, and he's like, I'll give oh you a ride. Gosh. Like, and he gives May the nod, I've got this, I'll that figure was, it out. Yes. Uh, uh, this is my prowess. moment. This is my moment to figure it out and, yeah. and help the boy. Oh, my and goodness. That and this then, just freezes me, man. That and then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, spot on casting. Both of those both of those performers a little bit more star power and gravitas for uh, Martin Sheen and then Sally Field Rosemary Harris Rosemary Harris very authentic to the early like I'm gonna say one through 100 amazing spider-man issues for sure uh, definitely I'm gonna say Sally Field is more like an ultimate spider-man but I don't think we've seen Absolutely. an ultimate Spider-Man on May. I did not even think about it that yeah. way. Hell yeah. Dude, hell I yeah. mean. Ultimate Spider-Man. How the hell did I not even think about that? 
that Aunt May is, uh, is, is serviceable in the fashion that you can see her. My favorite issue, really, might be of Ultimate Spider-Man, the one where she goes to the therapist. I don't even remember what that one is off the top of my head. I got I got oh. I got all this, and I got to raise a son in a city where there is a Spider-Man. Let alone all of this other craziness, you know. Oh my God, that writing to take uh, an issue and focus it on her, her the cover, knowing what you're getting into, and then being like, oh my, this is something else. That dialogue, mm, Brian Michael Bendis, right there, Betty. Baby. Mm. Uh, you you haven't played it yet, but uh, the Spider-Man video game for PS4, May so, is yeah. the second best character in that entire video game. The she's so integral. Yeah, oh, dude, integral? she's working. She, it, absolutely integral, mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. absolutely the ultimate Spider-Man type, uh, strong, not as frail as McFarlane had drawn her. Yeah, um, working for Mister Negative, and he doesn't. She doesn't know it. <laughs> for feast and you have to interact with may constantly and the actress who played that one i mean like it was so so i haven't even finished the game yet because i don't want to who is i it? I, I, uh, I i'm gonna be broken hearted i'm gonna PS4? be broken hearted when this spider-man yeah for a ps4 ps4 actress yeah i got they, it right they, here let me pull that they've up. got a They've got a lot of no names doing the work on this, and I hope they excel the same way. Terror, um, don't say that. Was oh, it Terror Strong? <laughs> they got you no know. Names. I want, like, don't do that. That's rough. No, that's not that. Uh, it's not that they don't have no. I no no. I I am oh, glad wow. they have no names because I hope they proceed. I hope they proceed in voice work the way that everyone that's worked on Futurama. Why I know Rob Paulson's name since Care Bears. <laughs> her name is Nancy Linari, and uh, like I said, I, I can't say off the top of my head, but she's worked in Metal Gear Solid Two, and uh, she's in the she's in Bones, and she's on in the Social Network. Uh, she has some some bit roles. I'm just gonna say that I'm I'm only giving you a hard time about no names because um, I work in the film industry. Oh, and you get you get oh well that's nice. Thank you. I, I work in the film industry, and um, I like to do... I don't always get to do assistant director work, but they're the ones who get to work with the background performers or the extras. And I don't like to quantify these people as extras. That just... I know that's the industry term, but it seems derogatory to me. I it is mean, offensive, isn't it? I, it I didn't just mean to feels that, that way, whether or not it is. And... Um, I always call my I say, background. My background. Hey, uh, this is what we're going to do. I like them to know what we're getting ready to do, and you can you get a better performance out of people. If they, you know, one of my favorite moments was uh, a movie uh, that I did, and I was not in the. Uh, I was in props, and um, we had loads of extras, background performers in the in this bar scene for a stage performance, and um, they played the music with. They played the music with uh, 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 playback, is what we call it, when it's just broadcast through the speakers and stuff like that. And the AD, her name was Rachel, she uh, she got up there and explained what the circumstances were, and just these people were alive, you know? I'm feeding all of these people false liquor and drinks, mixed drinks made with cola and soda water and false ice and stuff like that, acrylic ice, and... Um, uh, 
have silicone ice um, at the time. And they just lit up. And then I would go to a table and I'd tell people, like, here you go, here you go, blah, blah, blah. You just talk to them. It, it, they, they, they come alive. They're a whole different thing. And it's a big difference when it's in my market as opposed to L.A. Background performers in L.A., a totally different animal. But, um, yeah, I don't want to quite, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to diss. I definitely don't want to diss you no, in particular. No, but, no, 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 um, no, you're, you're not yeah. dissing me. I just used the wrong term, and I'm glad you corrected me. It wasn't Ooh. that... I, I wanted to say background character or, or no name. Uh, I just want to say that I hope that the people that were working on the Spider-Man video game get the same sort of popularity as Rob Paulson or Tara Strong or John DiMaggio that are working mm. on basically everything. If you haven't seen John DiMaggio's uh, The Voices Behind, um, these people work their asses off. Yeah, and yeah. I hope I hope that the up and comers, which I should have said, that's a that's a very appealing phrase. Up and comers on this Spider-Man video game, which freezes me, and I have actually three different versions going on it. I'm like basically like 28 percent through the game, and in the original one I played, I'm 15 percent in one and five percent in the other because I just keep <laughs> replaying it because I do not want this game to end, mm -hmm. and I hope that. The the up-and-comers on this that worked on this reached the same sort of uh, prestige nice. as everyone that works on Futurama, that oh, was on the, the short-lived Thundercats, uh, mm -hmm. Kevin Michael Richardson. Uh, man, Kevin Michael Richardson, man, that guy. He's He is one of the few people that is allowed the acclaim to have his name in the credits of The Simpsons, along with okay. Chris Edgerly. There's mm -hmm. two new names that they've added in the past five years, and those are the two only ones they've ever extra added. And they do a special little bit to add them as well, as along with Tress McNeil that aren't in every episode. But uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, if you don't know, he played Panthro in the Thunder, the short-lived oh, Thundercats. No he played... Uh, <laughs> He played Thaddeus. <laughs> he played Thaddeus in the final flight of the Osiris in the Animatrix. No kidding. Okay. Yes. Uh, every low growl, manly voice you hear in the past ten years has been Kevin Michael Richardson. Beautiful, beautiful African American man. I, I just, I, I am so proud of what he's done because every time he plays someone, it's someone powerful and oh, dude. someone. Man, I grew and, up on Panthro for sure. Oh, his his take on Panthro was phenomenal. Um, Chris Edgerly, I I never heard of him before, and it's it's just it's just a lot of good times. I I I, I want these people to succeed. I will tell you, uh, I, 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 we're a little bit off the topic here, but I, and I oh. want to tell you two things here. Uh, one of the things that I realized because um, you know we're fact checking. Scrolling through the cast list for um, the voices in the Spider-Man game you referenced is Mark Rolston. He, oh. Yeah. He is one of the v main villains in the Shawshank Redemption. He's Private Drake, one of the uh, two saw uh, squad assault weapon uh, riflemen in uh, the Colonial Marines in Aliens. Uh, him and Vasquez, you know, Jeanette Goldstein. 
he's also an agent. He's also in uh, Rush Hour, and he's in The Departed, among other things. I mean, just check out that guy's IMDb. He's even in season seven of Star Trek: The Next Generation. He's a Starfleet officer. Uh, you'll you'll see him, and you're gonna go, what? I mean, it's just gonna he's gonna it's gonna come out of nowhere. But um, uh, and then I lost the second point. Uh, no, uh, I've, I've, I've got your second. I've, I've got your second point here. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but the uh, that shithead guard from the Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. uh, the one that uh, mm-hmm. Andy does the taxes for, that's Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, Clancy, the Kurgan. He's the Kurgan. Love that Clancy. He's in. He is in everything. Pet Cemetery Two. Starship Troopers. Zim got the bug. Zim got got the bug. That's a private, sir. Carry on, private. Oh, my God. Clancy Brown. Put your hand out. (laughs) He's on that new... They've been... Dude, I can't... I cannot watch the Goldbergs. It's funny because it's in the 80s. I just... So what? And, like... But uh, (laughs) there's some new series where the daughter on that show is a teacher in the 90s, and Clancy Brown is one of the teachers. Uh, I watched was, uh, ten minutes of it oh, and then felt like an idiot for watching that. Yeah, I just uh, don't. Mr. Get... Clancy, he's in, he's in SpongeBob SquarePants. He oh, that's is, right. Uh, he's Searcher in in Thor Ragnarok, dude. <laughs> searcher. Yeah, Searcher. Sitter, Sitter, Sitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the flaming head wrong? guy. Uh, it's Sitter. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. Well, I mean, if we're going to do this, I mean, Clancy Brown. You're going to bring up SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm going to say Tom Kinney, who I referenced earlier, is the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, And Heifer Rocco's Modern Life, eating too much pasture puffies, baby. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, all right. Where are we next? We were talking talking about Spider-Man. Let's do a poll. Let's do our poll. Readers, subscribers, listeners. Who's your favorite when it comes down to you got, you know, you got your Aunt Mays and your Uncle Ben's, you got Cliff Robertson and you got Martin Sheen as your Uncle Ben's. You've got Rosemary Harris from the original 2002 Spider-Man, 2000 whatever for Spider-Man 2 and 3. Uh, and then you've got um, uh, Sally Field in your amazing Spider-Man's 1 and 2. And then you've got uh, Marissa Tomei in Captain America: Civil War and Spider-Man: Homecoming, and mm. coming soon to a theater new year, new, new near you. Clearly, not a big pile of ash that disappeared in the ether. Marissa Tomei as uh, Aunt May. And right, God help me, I really would love for them to say at the beginning of Spider-Man: Far From Home. The events of this movie take place before Avengers Infinity War. Because, dude, what a ridiculous spoiler alert. To advertise a new Spider-Man movie before Avengers Endgame. Just, what a tragic misstep, unless they're really going to do it right. Hey, if you want to do that, then you get mad at Lego, because all the Lego figures get leaked. I'm, I, dude. I mean, I'm a massive Lego file, and I have not seen any of that yet. All I've got the most recent pit set. I picked up the Captain Marvel set, which I got a review on my Lego channel. But um, there's a 
there's a leak on what Captain Marvel, her character's going to look like in Infinity War uh, Endgame on Lego already, and then what Thanos' oh, wow. new armor is going to look like in the new on uh, the new movie because they, you know, those like 12 inch Barbie type dolls they make. But let, uh, let, let's move on. I, I, I need you to. I, yeah, I need yeah, you yeah. to fact. I need you to fact check me on this because. Sure, go crazy. Uh, one of the my favorite comics this week, and I'm actually not going to give anyone any spoilers on this one because it's that damn good. Is the Wonder Twins, and uh, Mark Russell wrote it. Mark Russell, if you guys don't know it yet, if you did not read the Flintstones that came out last year. <laughs> You messed, I think you messed up. You told me about that, and it sounded you, awesome, honestly. And you, I've never been a fan. If I'm you not, didn't just, read the Flintstones DC series from last year, you effed up bad. <laughs> it, the social structures he conquers, and if you don't mind me look, if you don't mind me asking to look this up real quick, I'm fairly certain Mark Russell is the one that did Uncle Sam with uh, Alex Ross doing the covers. Uncle Sam, U.S. Uh, Uncle. Uncle Not Sam exactly from Uncle like Sam, I, I want to say early two early two thousands where you know Uncle Sam is like waving at you I want you yeah yeah um, the Wonder Twins I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't know that much about the Wonder Twins so I got to do a lot more research the first issue was phenomenal it was a lot of fun the artwork wasn't talking heads there was a lot of Easter eggs and even if you don't know what's going on you can tell what's that I need to look that up. His writing is superior. Hmm. He takes so much care into every panel, into every dialogue bubble to make sure that he gets his joke across, he gets his reference across, so much so that, like, even if it's part of regular dialogue, you're going to think, wait a minute, there's something else going on here. I need to look this up. There's something here I need to look up. He did it in the Flintstones all the time. I'm fairly certain he did he did uh, Uncle Sam. And it's a lot of fun. It's three bucks. Just go get it. It's probably sold out, actually. I actually bought the last issue. I got to my comic store, at, like, I think around 4.30 on Wednesday, and I bought the <laughs> last issue. And um, my, my homeboy was like, yeah, this one's selling out. Okay. The Flintstones crossed over with Booster Gold in Booster Gold The Flintstones Annual Number 1, March 29th, 2017. <laughs> Booster, uh, Booster Gold, Gold, that totally makes sense. Oh, uh, Booster what is it, Gold. It's a Mark Russell book? <clears throat> yeah. What are you I'm sorry, what are you trying to ascertain here? What was was he the one that wrote that Uncle Sam comic that Alex Ross did all the covers for? Um I don't it, it, well, I mean that's there's a DC book the trad, you know, that's the problem. Mark uh, Russell. I specifically, I'm not seeing that. I specifically had those books, and I felt, I don't know, man. I feel really weird right now, not knowing. I, um, I, I feel, I feel like there's so much more about Mark Russell I don't know that I do know. I, I, I swear he's written some cap before. Uh -huh. The the guy's got some gravitas. I've got but... him as a top shelf writer in 2013. Um, IDW, uh, the Prez. He did a reboot of the Prez. That's hilarious. Um, I don't see a gigantic amount of material here 
just on his Wikipedia page. And I'm sorry, folks, I'm not terribly familiar with the man. Uh, just read Wonder Twins, and if you don't like Wonder <laughs> Twins, just do yourself a favor and get the graphic novel, all 12 issues of um, the Flintstones, and get his Snagglepuss uh, issues. The thing that's antagonizing me right now is that I feel like I had the issues you're talking about, and I, uh, I guess I sold them. I actually sold them. Um, I had a giant box of single issues of stuff that it was just like, I don't like this book. I mean, this thing in particular, this comic in particular. So there was like, you know when you go and you buy a ream of paper? And maybe you've been to Staples or someplace and you bought an entire box full of reams of paper. Um, the box that those reams of paper, I had an entire box full of comics standing bagged and boarded that I, I sold years ago. And I feel like those that four-issue book that you're talking about is one that I definitely sold. And it was, it was, it was a very dark, man, it was a very dark take on um marvels but it wasn't marvels and i'm really sure that it also wasn't alex ross uh i think alex ross did the covers of uncle sam but i think we just got a little bit uh convoluted let's talk about uh that's basically all the best comics i read this week except for punisher punisher uh wait before we move on hold on i want to make sure i do this uh winter twins mark russell artist and cover artist is stephen byrne Mm. Make sure you check it out. The artwork is it's a little pastelly for my choices, but I do dig the color scheme and I do like the artwork again not talking heads. And if you guys want to read a really kick-ass prison break issue Punisher number 8 by uh Matt Rosenberg and uh Simon Kurdansky, it is phenomenal. There it's it is such an intricate prison break. The new characters they introduce, you see hundreds of Hydra guys getting murdered. Chameleon okay. pretending to be Frank on TV while Frank's actually in jail, orchestrating a huge breakout. New character, the nun, that is organizing all these ne'er-do-wells to help Frank break out of prison. And this mm. intricacy is just so much fun. The the darks and lights, the uh, single the single light source artwork really gets me on quite a lot of the panels it switches from styles from like uh the, what you would expect from like grant morrison and um um what's his name they did all star with them frank quietly wait wait quietly. sorry which old yeah mm -hmm. yeah it like the artwork switch switches from the same sort of light sources that quietly does to one one source light sources in quite a lot of the different panels and if you want an intricate jailbreak story have a have a good time reading this it's it this one was not a quick read like i i felt like i spent 30 minutes reading it and to the point where when the last page happened i'm like wait wait that's it like damn it <laughs> like like it it really hooked you um i want to talk about the new conan especially but i feel like that one needs a little bit more research uh, obviously, knockdown, drag out Conan, uh, Savage Sword of Conan, and you know just regular Conan the Barbarian. Uh, thank you, George, for making sure I got those. And but I think we need to switch uh, switch uh, gears here and talk about some wrestling. 
You got it. Let me just say that I, I did come up with it. It's Uncle Sam from 1997. It is Alex Ross. It's written by Alex Ross and Steve Darnall. Um, and, uh, yeah, I totally had those, and I sold them because I felt like they were depressing, and that was the point of them initially, that they were basically coming after Marvel's. Um, it was a rough book. Didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I think they were the most expensive things that I got money for out of that entire lot. All right, guys. We're going to talk about some wrestling, but we're going to take a real quick break here. And we're going to follow up and talk about some Raw and SmackDown as quick as we can. And we'll be back in just one second. Hey, guys. We just took a break. We're back. Yeah. Time to talk about some real wrestling because we want real wrestlers. And as our gimmick, as we always have to do, because if you know if you meet someone in a grocery store or at the gas station <laughs> wearing the right T-shirt, you just made a new best friend. So it's true. right it's now, true. my best friend in the world is wearing his Golden Lover shirt with That's Mr. Right. Kenny Golden Omega Lover. and Miss Bushi or Mr. Bushi, depending on Mr. Bushi. Remember? Okay, guys. I don't want to get too far ahead of this. I'm getting really excited here. He's wearing his Golden Lover shirt. I'm wearing my Courtney. Kota Ibushi. I'm wearing my Rosemary shirt right now. Courtney is not here right now shirt right now because <laughs> I love me some Rosemary. We're always going to be wearing some kick-ass shirts when we do this sort of um, podcast right now. We're actually going to talk about WWE this week. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk with uh, my one of my other friends, uh, Mr. O. Josh Rules, Mr. Josh Harding. And we're going to be talking about oh, some some indie, some indie wrestling. But right now, we're talking about some WWE because a lot of really cool stuff happened on Raw and SmackDown this week, uh, including NXT. But not as much fun as happened on Raw and SmackDown. But before we get into anything, we have to let you know how much legit we are. We were at, where did we go this April 3rd? Where were we? God. It, I think there was, we got... There was we, some we got place in we were my at. car, my 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 Nissan Pathfinder. We went somewhere. Where the hell did yeah. we go? We drove a long way. It kind of smelled for a long time. Where and I think the that was just hell the did we go? We were in. I'd never been there before. I couldn't get a geocache, uh, mainly because my geocache app died. Um, we visited a very special town. Nolens. What town was it? Nolens. Nolens. You know, the Oklahoma City Thunder was playing against the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. And uh, <laughs> what's this guy? Uh, Nerlens. Nerlens was playing Nerlens. in Nolens, we said. Nerlens playing Nolens. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we, we went to... Supercard of Honor? Was that what it was? Supercard. I got, I got Supercard. kicked out. I got kicked out. You stayed. You, you stayed. Man, I don't, we can't even tell that. That story is ridiculous. You, how do you get kicked out of an event? The same way uh, me and Josh Harding got kicked out of uh, Harry Potter Deathly Hollows Part 2 within 30 minutes of the movie and got into a fight. What? You went to the ladies' room? Oh, no. That, 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 you're, you're talking about what happened uh, at Supercord. I'm talking about yeah. the, the same way. You, you get kicked out of the same way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we right. got I, at least we. I at least got to see the young bucks. I oh, we yeah. spotted like from three hundred yards away this huge dude with a mohawk, 
Mm-hmm. And is that is that is that a I can't remember who you guys thought it was. And I'm like, no, that's Brian Cage. And I jumped out of my my chair and just sprinted down there and mm-hmm, went mm-hmm. and went straight down there. And the, he was like in a little like cove area by like a, a like a double door thing. And he's just standing there in the dark. And there was a security guard and I just kind of looked over the security guard. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Weapon X. And he's like, <laughs> and which is. One of his nicknames, Swolverine, whatever you want to call him. Yep, one yep. of my favorite guys from Lucha Underground and Impact Wrestling. Mr. Mr. Weapon X, uh, yes, sir. Like, uh, <laughs> you're one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and I would be absolutely honored if I could take a picture with you and shake your hand. He's like, absolutely. He shook my – like, dude, this guy – I thought this guy was, like, eight feet tall. I was actually, like, uh, like a solid three feet – I'm sorry, three inches taller than him. But this guy was built like a eight foot wide brick wall, and he, he was huge. He was huge, and he did the pose for me. And then later on, we spotted the guy in the red hat and the kiss shirt and the denim shirt. Oh yeah, that's always at RAW. And he uh, gladly took a picture with me. And then I tried to sneak down because we didn't have floor tickets, and I was like hi- kind of hiding between this one trash can and these people like on the floor seats by just crouched down and i did get a high five by bully ray uh oh yeah i did get a high five when he came out and then we got kicked back up and then of course we got kicked out <laughs> i got kicked out and we, yeah you guys are you guys were rule breakers for sure <laughs> no i was the rule breaker that other person was just along for the ride but yeah i guess that's true we went to we went to WrestleMania in Nolens, and it we, was amazing. We went to WrestleMania. We did. This is legitimately. Um, oh man, I'd have to look it up for sure. I don't remember what year it was. Could have been 2015. I don't know. Joshua here dragged me out to a WWE show. It was 2015. In I... 2015 in Oklahoma City, and um, we went with Joshua, other Joshua that is. Um, Josh H, I guess. Joshua Joshua H versus Joshua Michael, who we were talking with, of course, <laughs> since you don't know us all. And uh, did he have did he have his lady with him, Christina? No, no, no. It was it, I was wearing my Kevin Owens shirt. Uh huh. And we got drunk in the parking lot. You and I drank those uh, pints, uh, those double pints of uh, Canadian Mist in the parking lot. And <laughs> he showed up. That. He showed up a little. Bit, he showed up right when the show started. And I'm almost at mm-hmm. that video on my phone right now to give you the date. But oh. we saw Seth Rollins. We saw Paige. We booed the Wyatt family to death. <laughs> uh, I didn't know anything. All I was like, all I was aware of was John Cena. And then I see this guy, Seth Rollins, and I'm like, that guy's interesting. And he broke John Cena's nose that night. And oh, the funny thing was, was like, amazing. John comes out, Cena comes out, and he throws his hat, his shirt out into the audience. And somebody in the front row threw it right back at him. And he and he just gave that guy like this, <laughs> man. I, I can't believe the shit I gotta put up with. I, Look, I remember, and then he threw it to the other side, and somebody took it. It was I, no big deal. I remember how confused <laughs> we were because during that Seth Rollins match, because we saw him, because it was at the same time that uh, Seth was um, copying Kenny Omega's uh, V trigger, and he hit, mm-hmm. okay, he hit John Cena with a V trigger knee straight to the face. And if you guys have never been to Monday Night Raw live, when it's time for a commercial, they dim the lights. 
And right, yeah. during the dim the lights parts, we saw all these like medical dudes rush to John Cena. And I used to wrestle in high school, and I, I saw what they were doing. I remember like when I got my first bloody nose when someone hit me in the knee, hit me in the nose with a knee, and my coach shoved a tampon straight up my nose as far it was mm-hmm. it go, more than I could think it could go, and just immediately stopped the, the, the blood flow. Next morning is when we realized, A, uh, Josh and I were uh, on, uh, on SmackDown, <laughs> And no, no, two days was it was two days later we found out we were in SmackDown, and but that that next morning we found out that John Cena actually got his nose broken, and that mm-hmm. next night Seth came out with that you don't see me shirt, and the night we were <laughs> at Monday Night Raw was July twenty seventh, twenty fifteen in Oklahoma City okay. at the Chesapeake, at the Chesapeake, and God that was a glorious night. Um, if you it guys was can- a lot of fun. That that set the tone for me and my interest in wrestling. We went to that event. And then I probably watched some Raw. Mainly, you know what? Really? Mainly, not, I couldn't discern who was who. I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> and then, but I, I kind of was like, yeah, that guy's pretty cool. And it was Dean Ambrose. Dean like, Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is interesting. I, I couldn't wrap my head around it, man. I'd grown up years and years just like, okay, wrestlers. And then in the 90s and in the early 2000s, and me, pers- this is this, I'll tell you a silly story, but like, man, I hated Sting. I was so sick of it. We all guy. hated Sting. We all hated Sting. Because legitimately, I was a Sting fan. And I went to England, and I was like, I want to find Sting's house. I went to a Sting concert in 2001. Uh, it, it, was the, it was like the Compaq 2001 Sting tour or something like that. Are you talking about police uh, Sting, or are you talking about... Yeah, the- totally. <laughs> I hated Sting... Because I loved Sting, and um, I just, you know, I went to that show. What Long story long, like, uh, about a year or two later, Raw was on one night, and I was home, not doing a show or something, and I was like, I'm going to check this out. And uh, Roman Reigns came out and was talking to John Cena, and Roman Reigns couldn't cut a promo. John Cena was telling him, sign this contract because, you know, if you're worth anything, you're going to fight me, and this is how it's going to be, but you got to sign the contract to do it. And, jo- and Roman Reigns is standing there like, uh, he, can't, he can't figure out what to say. He can't figure out what to do. And then he finally turned it around on him, and he's like, John, listen to me, man. You're, you're so... You're, you're keeping everybody down. You're doing all of these things. You're not getting anybody over. Blah, blah, blah. And then John, Arena, John Cena just tore him up because uh, he really wasn't capable of cutting a promo. But when he shut up and let Roman do his job, it came out. And I was like, this is freaking great. And it's just two dudes gabbing at each other. That, I don't that, remember them fighting. I don't remember anything about that, it, but I remember that moment. That was the night where he's like, hell, dog, you came out here with your zipper down. He's like, zipper down, <laughs> more like zipper busted, big dog, yo. That, I, I do remember <laughs> that, that. That was that night. Um, I, got, I got some gripes from wrestling this week. First of all, oh yeah, uh, AEW, double or nothing, sold out in four mm-hmm. minutes. My ass was logged in at 9.30 on Axis ticket sales. I got my place in line. Uh, tickets went on sale at 10 o'clock. I was allowed to buy my tickets at 10.04, and nothing was available. Tragic. And and I look it up real quick. 
like two minutes later, they post, we sold out in four minutes. Motherfuckers, I was allowed to buy tickets at like four minutes and 30 seconds, dickheads. And my my friend here at work was like, calm down. You can find some tickets in StubHub. Pull up StubHub and eBay, $700. It's down yep. to like 130 now for like the, the cheap seats that were like $38. Uh, the bots took over. I, I'm I'm a little, a little uh, suspicious about how they sold the tickets because I think that's how it's done, man. It's it will. I mean, just it's it's a business I, dude, and it's a shady business. Wrestling is a shady business, and they sold them out, and now they're getting. I mean, if the books, no, I can't, I can't even. Dude, hypothesize I, I'm about not, that. I'm, I'm telling you, like, I haven't been to any really, really impressive concerts in years. And, I'm, you know, I remember my girlfriend and I at the time when we wanted to go to that Sting show, we were busting our asses in pre-iPhone world online trying to get tickets to a show in, I think, Dallas, and it couldn't be done. And we ended up with tickets to a show in Houston, and she was excited because we were going to end up staying with her family. We were we could not break through the program. And then I remember being in L.A. and Radiohead getting a lot of hate online because their tickets were selling for like 400 bucks. They weren't selling them for that much. Ticketmaster. Yeah. And uh, these other companies come in and I'm they so buy suspicious. all of the tickets immediately. Dude, for real. I don't think that the I don't think that the Bucks or Kenny or any or Cody or any of those guys are pulling down extra money off of that. They're selling them at reasonable prices. Ticket companies are buying the tickets and they are selling them for astronomical prices. I, I like agree. I want to go see Kiss. I want to go see Kiss on this last tour. My homeboy at like, work at the end of next week. Kiss tickets and for like forty dollars. I can't do it. Well, that um, that's rad. I mean, I've been to some Kiss shows. He, no, he 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 got bunch, the immediate but... sales without going to StubHub. But like, we got to move on. Um, my other mm. gripe this week is that Dean Ambrose is supposedly leaving WWE, and um, yeah. a lot of people are thinking this is a work. I think it's a, a straight up shoot, man. I think he's absolutely freaking tired of being subjected to being told what to say on TV. He's tired of hokey, hokey what he says shit, and yeah, I can yeah. I can understand that when especially when they had him do Mitch the Plant, which I thought was kind of funny. I mean, they they Mitch the Plant was actually part of the uh, the Ambrose Asylum uh, action figure set when he when he <laughs> when he fought Chris Jericho three years ago at the uh, at um, he was Extreme Rules, and he like it was a, it was a huge like cage match. Like uh, Jericho, there was a huge thing of bag of tacks, like a, a mop shoved in Jericho's face, and all of this stuff was included <laughs> in this playset, including Mitch the Plant. And you know they wanted him to fight Nia Jax, who was notorious for being a stiff worker, and Nia actually had backstage heat for hurting our truth at the Royal Rumble. And our truth, what's up? I, what's up? And what's up? What's up? And what's up? What's up? <laughs> and I can't. I cannot do it. And Naya, it's, it's a great. It's a Naya great is a stiff worker. She is notorious for hurting people. She's and, not a real wrestler. Well, she's no, a professional model. She's a professional, thick model. And I think she's pretty when she's got makeup on. But 
she does look good. She doesn't good looking gal. She doesn't wrestle. She no, she's a she, she like got, she, I don't know how she got there. Well, That's she's the, next the DVD she's, we the, need right she's there. the Rock's like third cousin, and you know she she worked mm. her way there, but she actually doesn't wrestle. If you watch it, there's no wrestling involved with her. She might counteract someone's moves, but she doesn't actually wrestle. There is no there's no actual any sort of wrestling with her. She just basically runs people over and picks uh-huh. them up or counteracts them and slams them. I mean, like I could say the same thing about the Ultimate Warrior, but the Ultimate Warrior can actually wrestle. But the Ultimate Warrior would basically run out there, run you over, couple of a uh, couple of clotheslines, step on you until one, two, three. But that was the Warrior. She's she's got no skill. She's got nothing. She's she's a. Uh, she, uh, I'm I'm sorry to say it, but she's a uh, she's eight pounds of monkey crap packed into a one pound bag, and I can't stand her. Remember. Remember those? <laughs> remember those guys got mad at us talking so much crap about her at Mania. We couldn't stand her, and she's hurting people. That, no, that, that, I don't know about that. That ain't right. I was, I was, I, dude, I bought into the story. I bought into the character, and I, that's the thing is that like my limited exposure to these characters. Alexa Bliss was the bad guy, and dude, I've never seen a bad guy I liked more. I was except for maybe Cody the American Nightmare. I love. Alexa Bliss being the bad guy. I like her better taken out of that but, right now and being in the spotlight as a talk show host. Like well, the she's, Miss, she's Miz hurt right now. Something. She's hurt right now. But the thing about Nia Jax oh, is... I don't want to see any of these guys hurt. The thing about anyway. Nia Jax is that they wanted Dean to wrestle her at Nia Jax at a house show. And he wasn't having it. They canceled it. And... That's exactly what's going on, and they 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 worry if it's a work or a shoot. You know, obviously everyone wants to go AEW right now because they know how to handle their stuff. Supposedly, mm-hmm. from the interview that I heard with the owner and Chris Shoko on uh, on Wednesday, but he's tired of hokey crap. And the guy is a legit wrestling fan. The guy is a old school petty petty criminal that was a tape trader. He was saved by wrestling. He he started selling popcorn, yeah. cleaning cleaning up the place, setting up the ring, and eventually they let him started wrestling. And here he is now, one of the biggest superstars in WWE at the moment, probably number three. And really, you think number three? Oh yeah, absolutely number three. And he's tired of this hokey crap, and he's threatening him with it, and I do not think this is a shoot. I, I, I don't think it's a work. I think it's a shoot. I think he's done with it. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I, I honestly do you think... Do think he's done with wrestling, or do you think he's just oh, done, no, with, no. done with the company? No, he's done with the company. Like I was talking to Josh the other day, and we were hypothesizing about this, and I'm thinking, he's like, well, obviously he's going to go to AEW, and I'm like, I don't think he's going to go to AEW at all. Um, uh, it would be easy for him to go AEW. Obviously, they might want to sign him, but I don't think that's a good business idea for anyone involved, especially because AEW is oh, about wow. focusing on all of the people that are kick-ass in the indies right now that need uh, a spotlight. If they bring Dean Ambrose in, he's going to be like uh, Razor Ramon's jumping ship from WWF to WCW, like, hey, yo, you know why I'm here, you know who I am. He, Razor Ramon showed up as Razor Ramon in WCW. If Dean yeah. Ambrose, if Dean Ambrose jumps ship straight to AEW, it's not going to be good for anyone. It's going to take spotlight away and camera time 
from the indie wrestling talent that needs and deserves that that uh, spotlight. That's solid. Those I, are solid ideas. Mm. I you, think. Do, do, I, I, if, give him like a year and a half. No, well, no, I mean, well, 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 hear me out here. What I think what really needs here. what really needs to happen is I think Dean needs to go to New Japan Pro. I think he needs to go to New oh, Japan wow. Pro. I don't think he needs to go as a young lion. Obviously, he's not going to have to. If he does go through the Young Lion program voluntarily, that's going to be an entirely different monster the way Juice Robinson did that, the same way the, Juice. Mm-hmm. the, the way Juice did that, even though he showed up in New Japan as an established wrestler from NXT and Florida Championship Wrestling. He voluntarily went through the Young Lion program, which was originally the Young, the young Boy program, and you know he was doing the dishes. He was feeding these guys. He was cleaning the dojo. He went. He did the. He did the jobs. He he did everything he could to prove his uh, his allegiance to New Japan. And when he did, when he moved to the main roster, he was red hot. And I I don't think that Dean has to go through the Young Lion program. If he does, that would be awesome, just because to show that honor and his allegiance to actual pro wrestling and to the, the the company. But he needs to go to New Japan. He needs to establish an entirely new character. I do not think he needs to be John Moxley anymore like he was back in the Indies. Well, he needs right. to go, and if he goes to New Japan, he reigns supreme and does everything he can as whatever character he can be or whatever he decides he wants to be and establishes that new character – he can come back to the states and write for and, and fight for Ring of Honor or AAA. He can go to uh, if Lucha still exists, Lucha Underground. But he needs to go to AEW as an entirely different character and different beast after he established himself and distanced himself from the idea of Dean Ambrose. Because if he shows up at AEW that way, it's going to be a whole different monster. It's not going to be this huge WB guy that's obviously better than everyone it's going to be someone that paid his dues again because he loves oh my god he yeah. loves he loves wrestling that much he, like the the purse they, they they said they were i think they they offered him like two something million dollars i think i read he doesn't need the money where at w, yeah, they were, at, at, him, i thought they offered him wwe they offered him five million to re, re-up Oh well, then I misread something because five million—that's more than the purse that Seth was getting three years ago at three million. Hey, but and, think about what we know about like ball players that stretched out over how long? How many no, years? No, a year. <clears throat> I'll fact check it, dude. No, go ahead. A year—that's the purse these guys are getting. And I think I really hope if if uh, Mr. Jonathan Good leaves WWE, he goes and establishes a different character and then comes back and doesn't take the spotlight away from the guys uh, like Jimmy Havoc that are joining uh, AEW. Jimmy Havoc is actually, I've got his one of his t-shirts actually, he's uh, actually fighting for uh, uh, Blackcraft Colt Wrestling right now. Uh, Blackcraft, yeah. He's he's pretty big on, on the indie scene and also this week on, uh, actually, uh, Tomorrow, actually, uh, fighting for my family comes out. The page story. Ooh, uh, really? I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't Where, wait. Yeah, I can't wait to see, see that. that. Uh, Stephen Merchant yeah. wrote. Stephen Merchant wrote it. I, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, the girl, they like they they actually. You can tell who all the people in the commercials are if you keep up with NXT and uh, UK NXT, and I can't wait for that. But what I really want to talk about is Raw and SmackDown because the man got her knee hurt. 
and she's oh, out. Yeah. she comes out on Raw, and Stephanie tells her, hey, you gotta go to the doctor, and she's like, F you, no. Well, then, you ain't fighting in WrestleMania. And I kind of laughed at that, because how are you gonna keep this from happening? All the rumors... They're not. <clears throat> for a month already, they already said it was gonna be Becky versus Ronda at WrestleMania, and then, uh, Three weeks ago, they said they're going to make it a triple threat with Charlotte. And they wanted to make it a triple threat because Ooh. they're not sure about what Ronda's going to do. They know Ronda's going to stay with the company, but they also know Ronda wants to start a family. And they want to make sure that <laughs> they want to make sure that if anything happens, that the two top stars that come out from WrestleMania are on top as opposed to someone that might be away for a while or take well. a break and take a break. So that's why that's the rumor why that was going to happen. So when it actually did happen, they had Becky Lynch, which really like Becky Lynch. They're making her into the female Stone Cold Steve Austin times a thousand. And if you want to make her the female Stone Cold times a thousand and make her apologize and then she actually apologizes, she's not the female Stone Cold. Stone Cold never apologized. Stone Cold never compromised. Stone Cold never did anything that he wanted to do other than what Stone Cold wanted to do. And they had well, Becky apologize. Did she apologize to to uh, to Steph, or did she, she apologize to Triple H? She apologized to Triple H and Steph, and it still wasn't enough. And then the the old man comes out and like, hey, thanks for the apology. That's right. Guess what? You think you're the man? I'm the man. And. <laughs> You're suspended for six months, which is, uh, let me think, uh, five days after this WrestleMania. And I'm like, okay, I'm a little pissed off because Meltzer, everyone reported this for the past three weeks this was going to happen. I understand that they want to protect the the brand and make sure that the top people are still on top after Mania. But that still pisses me off because it doesn't matter what happens at Mania because what really matters is what happens at Raw the next day. That's true. I mean, <clears throat> what did we see last year? Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre after Grand Slam Robbins. And that that has been, the, to me, I, I don't care what anybody says, the most entertaining thing in wrestling, at least in WWE. Dude, it was a lot of fun. Year. It was a, it lot, was of a lot of fun, and now it's over, and they're developing beyond that. And I, I'm not done seeing Dolph. I'm like, where is the guy? He's done. He came out, huh? He's done, man. He's taking a huge hiatus. Yeah, I'm, they, well, they don't he, know if he's he, coming he, back. And <clears throat> there's still rumors he wants to join AEW. And the rumor oh he wanted God. to join AEW, and <clears throat> uh, Chris Jericho tweeted that, uh, who was it? I think it was Zack Ryder and Mojo Rally, and he said, not interested. Just flat out not interested, and huh. and huh. it's it's a power play that they you know their contracts might be almost up and they might want to go to AEW, but AEW doesn't need them. And yeah. and to go back to the idea of what happens after WrestleMania, uh, one of my biggest gripes was when Kevin Owens lost the Intercontinental Belt uh, almost three years ago, and to Zack Ryder in a ladder match, and that was a, such a good match. And Goldust, I'm sorry, not Goldust, Stardust. Pulled out a, <laughs> a ladder that was painted golden, golden gold with black spots, oh, just like awesome. Dusty. 
just like Dusty, and you think maybe, maybe, maybe Stardust finally is going to get a chance here. And then Zack Ryder pulled it off and lost it literally the next night at at Raw. And his dad was in the crowd the same way, like the way that uh, they're making oh, big the up. Uh, the other day? Uh, yeah, the way that they're making Miz's dad there. And Dude, I love the Miz. <sighs> I hated him. He was the first guy I hated. But I didn't, I did, I, you know, I'm watching this guy and I'm like, I hate this guy, but I appreciate him. And now I look at it and I'm like, that guy is great. He's, he is just a fun heel to watch and he's down for anything. And he's in the commercial for the toys and the action figures. And he's off doing his reality series with his amazingly hot wife. And isn't stuff. this? I love him teamed up with Shane. I think that's fun and cool. Here you know? comes the money. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Dude, uh, I love all these catchphrases and, and the, intro songs. It's amazing. My favorite thing about The Miz is that despite the fact that he's one of the highest paid people in WWE right now, is the fact that despite that he's the highest paid, one of the highest paid people, is that every time he does a promo, he puts his opponent over like crazy. He makes yeah. sure the guy that is about to come out and fight him and lose is shined up nice and tight and perfect like a statue. He makes sure that despite their abilities, that they're expecting a superhero to come out and defeat the Miz. He always put his opponent over no matter who it is. And that is such a shining example of how to play business. Uh, he's in a unique position where he's good with the company, good with the McMahons, but he always puts these people over whether he wins or loses. And that is such a good thing that he is so respectful to the locker room, no matter who it is. Ziggler, Mojo Raleigh, doesn't matter. He, gonna... he shines them up. He shines them up. He might chew them up and spit them out. But he makes it. He makes them look good, and that sort of respect for the locker room is unprecedented. <laughs> unprecedented. The Miz might go to the locker room and be like, "Hey, I'm going to talk to such and such." But you also reference back in time when uh, Chris Jericho was in the locker room and the in uh, the uh, ruffian, uh, the lesser wrestler locker room, and Hogan came in and said, "Hey, where's Chris Jericho?" And Jericho, YGJ, our hero, YGJ. practically shit his pants and was like, why is Hogan here? <laughs> Hogan didn't <laughs> shine people up like that, man. Um, let, let's move on. Uh, Becky, we got to go back to Becky because in SmackDown, well, Charlotte came out at the end of Raw. Yeah, I'm going to be the one fighting Ronda. And then she showed up at the beginning of SmackDown. Yeah, Becky shows up. Talk some smack. Okay. Everything in between, whatever. It was still good. Miz TV with uh, Shane and and Miz and the Usos. And I hate their stupid ghetto thug <laughs> fake uh, gimmick. Like, y'all ain't thugs. Y'all are Samoans that grew up in a different part of town. You ain't from Compton. And even their their font <laughs> on their freaking shirt is like easy e stuff, and like y'all ain't from there. And and they talk all thuggy. Okay, that's fine if you were actually from that, but you're not. We know you're not. And but Miss TV was really good. I loved how oh, Shane yeah. Shane reacted to everything. 
I don't like when characters interact before their actually big battle. But the real creme de la creme was Kofi Kingston in the gauntlet match. He was in a gauntlet match for more than an hour. It was beautiful. And, and before they even preface it, Michael Cole said, uh, Michael Cole was uh, the, the guy that cheated on his girlfriend got busted. Uh, Tom Phillips or whatever his name is like, oh, Kofi, wow. Kofi's never won a, a title ever other than tag team. And he's never been universal or, or heavyweight champion. And Kofi goes out first and he fights Daniel Bryan for almost 30 minutes straight. And it was glorious. Wow, It was glorious. <clears throat> he took on Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan and he pinned the champion and out comes Jeff Hardy. Oh. And Hardy, Hardy, it bums me out because Hardy, you can tell he's hurting, man. That guy needs Dude, to. Dude, I know it. He's hurting. Yeah. You can tell every, like, every time he did, like, one of his, like, he, he tried to finish him off every time he could with, like, hardcore move, one of his finishers, and no one was home anytime. And you could tell how hard he was hurting. And he pins, he pins Jeff. Out comes Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe puts him in. Every lock, every backbreaker, every neck-twisting oh, move you can do for, like, 15 minutes. And Kofi still got that W. And then Gauntlet Match. Dude, New Day needs wins like that. New Day does, but, like, it confuses me because I don't know why they would want to put Kofi over like this. But they still didn't put him all the way over, I mean, other than the fact that he was in this match for more than an hour. But the next person that comes out is AJ Styles. And AJ, oh. AJ, like, Kofi's all messed up. And Kofi, AJ goes up and like, listen, man, you don't have to do this. He's being diplomat. Listen, we don't have to do this. You're messed up. Like, he, the diplomat in him was just phenomenal. Well, of course, uh, I, I, did, I did not purposely say that word, but, of course, phenomenal. But yeah, totally. He's like, hey, man, you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to do this. Calm down. And Kofi's like, I've been here for freaking 10 years in his face. And then AJ's like, come on, man. You don't have to do this. He, he's still like, come on, man. You're hurt. And then Kofi bitch slaps him. And, and then ring the bell. And him and AJ, oh, man. AJ laid into his ass. It was <laughs> awesome. I mean, like, AJ... AJ took it personally, and I think AJ still believes in kayfabe because he really. I hope so. He Somebody really, needs to. He really played that off. He really played that off. Like, like I want to be your friend. I don't want to hurt you. You're hurt already. This ain't right. And once Kofi bitch left him, ring the bell. AJ turned it up to eleven. AJ showed him what it was like to go up against someone, a former member of Bullet Club, someone that took those uh, baseball bat shins of Shinsuke Nakamura three years ago at, oh. at New Japan Pro. Dude. And and Kofi, got, Kofi still got laid out. But why would you – it just confuses me. Why would you put Kofi more than an hour and still have him lose – and do something better than something Chris Jericho's done. I mean, Chris Jericho's lasted like I think four hours and sixty minutes or something like that in all the Royal Rumbles. But Kofi was absolutely on par. 
Do you think he was, uh, did he ask for it? Do you think he specifically asked them? Like, no. Because it's not kayfabe. No, you know? no, no. I think they get, they, they, they put a sacrificial lamb out there and Kofi sold it and did the job. But God damn, did he do that job? And, <laughs> and it's, it's, it, it's not going to matter. And that bums me out because after tonight, uh, Elimination Chamber is on is on Sunday night in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. And oh, no one's gonna remember Kofi's epic tryout to be in Elimination Chamber because they're gonna write it off. Like the the, the search terms in in the network and WB are, are terrible. I, I look up Walter, one of their newest signees on the uh, UK brand. Uh, uh, my homeboy Spent, you met him. Uh, yeah, yep. that guy trained him. The guy does the most epic chucks ever i i've he's done like three matches or something like that i type in walter in the search bar nothing comes up like are you kidding me like i can really? find i could find him on pornhub walter. faster i could find him on pornhub faster than i can on the WWE network and that pisses me off they, huh, let me look at it they, they need to have individual channels you look up this wrestler find every single freaking wrestling match he's ever done WWE. WF, ECW, WCW, pull it up. You paid for it. I paid for it. I paid ten bucks for this. Mm, give me yeah, what I he's, give me what he's I want. Signed and he's on NXT right now. Yeah, and, but uh, but but if you look him up in the search bar, you're not gonna get any of his matches, and that pisses NXT me UK. off. NXT, NXT UK, UK, man. Yeah. Even huh. even when he comes out and challenges Pete Dunn. Even that doesn't pop up. How the hell do you not do that? How is there not some guy running some algorithm making sure that every guy, every match, you look it up, you can find it right away? We paid 10 bucks for it. Yeah, for sure. I know it's just 10 bucks, but like, hell. Well, he hasn't you done paid... an episode of uh, Table for Three. What do you want? Well, now <laughs> now that you say it, I want a table for three with Walter. God damn it! <laughs> I want yeah. a table three with Walter, and I want uh, someone from the UK, someone that's up and coming, because that needs to happen. Right, because yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're signing people just to bury them. Why? I know, dude. Oh, that's tragic. Like, why can't we have matches that are like, okay, what have we got going on? Do you remember that advertisement we saw the other day? During the AEW uh, business in, in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand? Yes, sir. They were advertising Chinese wrestling. Oh, my God. And I was God. like, I looked look that at up. that! I looked that up. Chris Jericho specifically defined it. If you like New Japan Pro, these guys are doing Circus Soleil shit. <laughs> I mean, for real, if you're going to put some dudes on cables and have them like leap up into the air and fight in the air... And then, like, and, no cables and then disconnect, here. disconnect, and hang down. I mean, or whatever. Or if there are ropes that are extended from the ceiling or from the you know the rafters that go all the way down to the to the posts that are holding up the ropes. I mean, what if you got to employ that? That'd be crazy. Can you rope climb ten feet up in the air off of that, the ropes that. and then come down on a dude? Listen, man, when you say ropes, all I can think about is Owen Hart, man. Owen Hart came down and fell 30 feet and died. Yeah, I get that. They're, they're, 
the the Chinese guys are apparently doing stuff that ain't no one ain't never ain't never done did done did see, and I can't wait to see it in AEW. Uh, I want to talk about Becky Lynch against uh, Becky Lynch again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes out suspender. She's gonna be doing some it's promos. It's a bunch of crap. She's gonna be doing some promos. Um, yeah, I, I still hate the fact that she apologized because Stone Cold never apologized. They want to promote her as the man, which doesn't make any sense to me still because they were promoting Seth Rollins as the man, but at the same time, the real man is Ric Flair. Because if you want to beat the, if you want to be the Woo! man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! And Woo! the man would never apologize, even just to save his WrestleMania match. And if you want to promote the girls, the women, and have her yeah, apologize, yeah, they need they need bullshit. equal footing. That's bullshit. She should have, she should have gone out there and beat the living dog shit out of Vince McMahon. And I don't know why that didn't happen. Because even when, uh, remember when uh, Kevin Owens was yes. confronted by uh, Vince McMahon, Vince head McMahon headbutted him. Headbutted him. He, there was color. He, real. he frog splashed yeah, him. He, he tortured split. him. He even tortured him outside of the ring. And the the McMahons allowed that to happen. And but they they want to promote the women, and they say that the women revolution's happening, and they have Becky Lynch apologize. I don't think so, especially yeah. with that double entendre that you're gonna say that Becky Lynch is gonna apologize. You're gonna promote that uh, Nia Jax is gonna fight Dean Ambrose at a house show, and then he says. No, or whoever says no ain't gonna happen because he can. She's hurting everybody. Who it, should she fight? Uh, nobody. She needs to go. <laughs> the, the, get rid of the, her. The, the ghost of she's, China. She is what they. She, Nia Jax, is. She's not a wrestler. What she's what a lot of wrestling fans can identify with. I, I don't know. How I, I feel, I, dude. I gotta, I gotta say something tragic here. Uh, I went to the. We talked about Oklahoma City. I went to the last Raw in Oklahoma City, and I'm sitting next to a guy who's a, a, a seat over, and he doesn't care about anything except the big guys. He's just like he just wants to see Brock Lesnar. He wants to see Braun Strowman. He wants to see Bobby Lashley. He didn't care about anybody but these giant dudes. And I'm like, you got a thing for giant dudes. But then his wife shows up, and she couldn't fit in the seat next to me. Jesus. And I'm leaning over the whole time to try not to come into contact with her because not only that, but she it's smelled. Seat. Oh, it Jesus. was terrible. She smelled, and I'm I'm just I'm thinking to myself, wh- who is she into? What kind of characters is she into? What kind of wrestlers? What kind of personalities? It's a it's a horrible thing to say, but I mean, Nia Jax ain't going nowhere just because she's a stiff fighter. Okay, no, nope. she's not going anywhere because she's the Rock's third cousin or fourth. Yeah, sure, but I think also she is something that the uh, the metrics say they need. We need what fat chicks. What are all these other girls? They're all petite, five feet of fury. They're Becky Lynch. She's not six foot tall. No, she's like R- five Ronda four. Rousey. 
Ronda Rousey, oh my goodness. I made a comment to my uh, compatriot there, and I'm like, look at her. She can't fit into her outfit. Her freaking wrestling, her MMA outfit, she is constantly adjusting it. She is constantly pulling down on the top. She's constantly pulling the uh, the shorts out of her craw, well, out yeah, of her... She, she, like, she did shit her pants the last uh, MMA pants, the MMA uh, match she had. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, there is there is some shit that happens. Yeah, she's adjusting, wow. but like my my problem is the fact that Give she her could an outfit that fits her. She could none break, of these girls have a problem. She could break every one of these chicks. Mandy Rose, Ru, uh, Mandy, whatever her name is, or Ruby Rose. Mm-hmm. She could break all these people immediately. It's really hard to suspend disbelief watching any match that she does because she would have that ended immediately. Because she's that That's much true. of a badass, and they probably need to give her some throwaway matches to prove that. Well, get her out there and make her the heel for a while, and have her armbar people into submission or just punch the bejesus out of them for a minute. You know, I'm not going to say that I want to see anybody hurt, but I do understand when you see Finn Balor show up and he's got a cut on his face, and I'm like, oh man, somebody cut the guy, or John Cena gets a broken nose. I don't want to see John Cena's nose broken. This is this is a PG-13 world in WWE. It ain't going to be like that in AEW. They're probably you know? going to they're probably going to have her turn heel after WrestleMania if she drops a belt. Um well, dude, where, I hope where so. She gets the she chance. She's so reviled. Well, Becky Lynch has it all right now and she was promoted from within. She is over from within. Ronda Rousey showed up we all signed on for it at Royal Rumble last year that you and I watched and then went to WrestleMania and she won with Kurt Angle, who's the who I am I, I don't care what anybody says. That's the be, that's the biggest nice guy that there is. Kurt Angle. We called that's him, it. We called him Kurt Angle back in the day, man. I feel ashamed. But I'm like <laughs> we, we hated him and we hated that Boy Scout. We liked the heels, but one of the I greatest moments. Like, one of the greatest moments of my life was getting yeah. to tell Kurt Angle from like suck. 400 yards away, "You suck." Through the uh, Superdome. No, I've never been in a space with that many people at the same up, time. Lit up just so purple when we drove into uh, Nolens that night, man. It was just beautiful. It we're, was awesome. We were listening to some Duran Duran and some New Order, and oh, it just it was so pumped up. But I still think it's. I hope they turn her heel after. I hope she drops the belt at Mania. I hope they turn her heel and let her have a little bit more of a loose schedule because she's obviously being promoted as, like, the Brock Lesnar of the women's division. And give yeah. it to someone that really deserves it, like Becky. Uh, I never saw Becky. Becky deserves it. I never saw Becky being this over because she was, like, that steampunk, like, your little best friend uh, part of the uh, – part of the uh, neighborhood gang the neighborhood <laughs> she's a, gang she she's was the girl she, next door she was the girl next door for the uh for the uh, four horse women in nxt yeah and she was all steampunk and she'd come out with her trench coat and it was great and bailey would come out like that that like two years ago was a lot of fun but they're promoting all these lipstick lesbian chicks that are like yeah i'm pretty and i'm so devoted to whoever and like none of you chicks can wrestle half of them are just eye candy 
it's not oh, even it, it's not yeah. even it's not even like it was back in the late 90s early 2000s where it was like hot chicks wrestling and beating each other up and getting half naked at least those girls were taking bumps these girls are just they can't wrestle and they're pretty so they put them on tv and i hate it i i would rather uh nia jacks get over than these lipstick chicks like the iconics, like how the hell is that happening? The iconics, I, I don't even know those two girls' names. I'm surprised they even remember their name in the first place. That they're <laughs> that they're a thing. And, and Bailey is getting buried. They, they don't even do the uh, wacky inflatable flailing uh, arm guys anymore. <laughs> they they don't give yeah. her, they don't give her intro anymore. And that I've girl, seen it, but they've been they've been running her a lot lately. You're right. I don't think Bailey should be getting buried. Bailey should not be getting buried. But Bailey, man, she's every little girl's dream come true. I know it, dude. It's it's sad. I mean, when you go back and you look at her character, that's legit. She grew up watching wrestling. She was obsessed with Matt Hardy. I mean, all of that stuff. It developed. It's a real thing for her. And... They're, they're, she deserves it. She deserves it. And yeah. I didn't like her early run as a champion when she actually got the belt for a while because it, it was a little bit undeserved. But I'm so glad she still got it because she's probably not going to get it again. Well, there's nothing better than a character who doesn't deserve that they've won. Oh, the, the, I don't the, think the, Bobby the Lashley tale. deserves to be the winner. I liked him better earlier this year before... Uh, Oh, what the crap is that guy's name that annoys everybody? His little like his little Paul Heyman character. Oh, the uh, his Webster. Rush, right? Leo, Leo Rush. Leo Rush. That, that dude, I, I dig it when he gets to fight though. I like to see that oh, guy fight because the guy's skilled. Some ch- some the guy's skilled. The guy's skilled. He, the guy was. The, the guy had it going on in. He's uh, in the, in the live one hundred and five, isn't he? Uh, um, uh, or two or five, uh, but no, like, I, yeah, it's a joke. But I, I, I just, I, every time I see him, I just want him. I want him to see him fight Cheeseburger from Ring of Honor. <laughs> I, I, Dude, like, I Bobby, love Cheeseburger. I mean, Bobby Lashley is awesome. He is a mighty feature, and he can do some cool stuff. But like, I liked him better earlier this year, where he was cutting his own promos and he was smiling and he was a real deal. And then they paired him up. And now he just comes out and he's a bad guy and whatever. Though I will say that six-man six tag team the other night was freaking awesome. That was it a was lot of so fun. fun. That was, that a, was fun. a great I'm, I'm thing glad, to see. I'm glad they started it that way. That was a lot of fun. You're, you're not kidding. That was really fun. Finn's got a strap. That's freaking great. Finn, when Finn. is he going over properly? The guy has put in the work. But... He got hurt. I don't. Why? So what? Doesn't he matter. Got hurt and what? You're, you're, so did Seth. You're, so did Seth Rollins. So did. So did Dean not, Ambrose. You're not seeing the big picture here, man. Like no, the old man. Silly. The old man runs it still old school style. They were pushing the hell out of him out of NXT, and when he came out and he was one of he was the original contender with Seth Rollins for the Universal Title when Seth came back after his knee uh, healed. And mm-hmm. Seth threw him into one of the barriers and tore his rotator cuff. And he still wrestled and still won and finished it with a coup, a, coup, a coup de gras. 
and he came out the next night at Raw and was like, I got to give it up because it's rotator cuff torn. It's going to be longer than 30 days, which doesn't make sense to me because, okay, you guys really obey the 30-day rule that you can't defend it, but you also don't give people the rematch they deserve like Kevin Owens and, oh, for and, real? and AJ tough. Styles. And, and you're going to obey that rule, uh, but you're not going to give these guys rematches. And, and Finn got hurt. They punish people when they get hurt. And they punished Seth for a really long time for getting hurt. They punished him. How so? They made him have some stupid gimmicks where he was still trying to get over with Roman and Dean, and there was a little bit of in-between things that was just really ridiculous. And he's talking about when he came back from being an opportunist, the end of the blonde streak. Yep, that's exactly Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. And he did, he got that over. He really pushed it the way uh, legendary people that would work a silly gimmick and still get it over, like Goldust or or R-Truth, and he still got it over. What's up? What's up? And, what's up what's up and okay. and and he did the job he still pushed everything that was given to him and now he deserves it now it's going to be the rematch between brock lesnar and seth rollins at wrestlemania and i cannot well, wait what about dean ambrose man the guy was out until september he's done he doesn't care his he doesn't care he doesn't have to care his his contract's coming up no but did they punish him no, they no, did not. No, they they actually they actually helped him write himself out. He was already hurt uh, from like two matches beforehand, and they had Samoa Joe do that backstage uh, uh, melee where yeah, he, that, where that he threw him into the uh, that that stand or whatever it was uh, of uh, backstage whatever. Right, and fake that he was uh, hurt. Yeah, boxes. yeah. Well, well, like <clears throat> he, well. Dean wrestled hurt. Seth got hurt and was done and ruined probably a year of storyline. Dean oh, wasn't okay. in that big of a storyline. So, but he still did the job and still showed up because it didn't matter. The old school rules like the old man rules it. It doesn't matter if you're hurt, you're still going to wrestle and you're going to do what you're told. He did what he was told and he, and, but Seth, Seth ruined everything, unfortunately, doing that um, doing that sunset flip with uh, Kane in Germany and blew out his Kane. knee. But Seth, Seth still wrestled. He still finished it. He still finished it out, but it didn't matter. They He ruined a year's storyline. They didn't have that much with Dean, but Dean still worked hurt, and he put the job in, and they helped him, they, they helped him out and helped him get rode out. And okay, he's back now, but he's tired of hokey shit, just like he said on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The guy will sign anything you you hand to him, whether you see him at the at a hot dog stand or the airport baggage stand. He doesn't care because he he was he was a tape trader, and he will never forget it. He will sign anything, even when people offer him money. He will say no. Keep your money. I will sign whatever you got. And take whatever picture you want. Dean does the job. And I'm not saying Seth doesn't. I'm saying that Seth ruined a huge storyline because he was a champion at the time. Dean didn't right. have Dean didn't have a big story going on at the time. But uh, I want to go back to Becky. I think that I think Becky's going to win at Mania, man. I think uh, Becky is going to beat Charlotte and 
Rhonda. And it's going to be a long feud with Charlotte, and I hope it I hope it lasts for a whole year and culminates at another mania. I hope they really drag it out and have a really good time with it and make us hate Charlotte or hate Becky, whatever way they want to go with it. Oh, wow. I, I, Hating Charlotte. That would be difficult for me. Me too, man. I just I want to hate somebody. Just make, <laughs> just make the storyline good. And make sure that we're invested and don't cheat us and don't do some BS stuff where something didn't work the night beforehand and just revamp something and pretend whatever happened last night didn't happen. Just give us give us the drama and especially give us the in-ring drama. And all I was going to say exactly all, the same thing. All our listeners, mm-hmm. subscribers, the real drama is in-ring. And that's why New Japan and Ring of Honor and Impact – is doing so well. It's all in. Yeah. WWE could benefit from press conferences, man. I mean, that would be, uh, dude, that's what NJ has for real. Uh, Those press conferences at the end, make it. When, when switchblade won the other night, it's still real. When switchblade won the other night, the respect he gave to, uh, um, uh, Tanahashi, but still building himself up. Uh, they curse. They do whatever they want. They they go off the cuff. Uh, they don't. They're not instructed what to say afterwards. They just go off of it, and New Japan deals with it. They they have unwritten rules, and they obey. The like, why not do that? But you know what? To wrap this up, all elite wrestling is already set a fire under the asses of everyone in WWE. People in WWE are telling other friends that are wrestlers to not sign with WWE when they get the chance because you don't want to wrestle here because you're going to get buried. Go stay in the indies, build your name, sell your own t-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com. You're going to to make way more money. You're going to be able to do whatever you want to do. You're going to fly wherever you want to. You're going to have to pay for a little bit more than what they do in WWE, but you're going to be your own boss. And AEW is going to respect that. And it is, I don't know how Chris Jericho has a working relationship anymore, or even a talking relationship with Vince McMahon, the old man, after he signed with AEW. Because, yeah, the, the competition's back bigger than what WCW is because these guys actually know what they're doing instead of just signing every big name. They could sign every big name. They've They've said... All these old guys are calling, hey, give me a job. They've said no. Hmm. They want to they want to promote something special. They're promoting LGBT wrestlers without Dude, que- without do question. It. Do it. No questions asked. And they're they're roasting Brandy on Twitter right now for doing that. Like, listen, man, this is wrestling. This isn't let them let them do what they want to do. Yeah. Kick some ass and run with it because these people are real people, they're real wrestlers, they're people that really have suffered for their art. Who cares mm-hmm. what gender or what's going on? Let them do what's go- what they want to do. I'm I I I don't know what to say, but I mean Finn Balor at WrestleMania coming out with that, with those gu- with those kids dancing with the rainbow, that shirt's impossible to find. And, I can't and it's fifty dollars or something like I that. I can't. I I went 
all over WrestleMania looking for that shirt. You know, as soon as we were leaving, I looked for it in Hot Topic. Even on I eBay, it's hard it to find. I could not find it. I saw a guy. Uh, I saw a guy at a Pride event this year who had it on, and I came up and gave him the gave him the horn, gave him the wolf. I mean, too sweet. Too sweet. I was so happy to see a guy there with that. I wanted to be wearing that shirt at Pride, and uh, couldn't be done. Could not come up with it. Let me get on eBay right now. I can look somewhere. I last just, time I looked, crazy. Last time I looked, uh, I saw a used one for like fifty bucks, and then wow. all the other ones were like uh, bootleg ones that were like crap. Um, good for him. Good for him. I yeah. mean, like Balor started the Bullet Club. And then we started yes. LGBT within WWE, and they canceled that. They don't do that no more. But hey, at least they tried. Yeah, at least they tried. I just, I, just, I love that it said for everyone. For you everyone. Know, that's that was the big deal right there, and I was like, this guy gets it. You know, he really freaking does, man. He really does, man. I got to keep it. So you gotta keep it PG thirteen here in Apple, but you know what I say, man. Like I just love it. I, I support all of that. Be who you are, mm-hmm. and it, I don't care. I just want good wrestling. I don't care who you are or what you are. Just give me some good wrestling, and you better give me a good promo, and you better give me a good reason to buy your shirt. Because the second you <laughs> give me the second you give me a good reason, I will buy your shirt, and I will wear it. Probably with the sleeves cut off, no matter where I am. Wearing my Rosemary shirt, man. Courtney's not yeah. here no more. I've got my yeah. Blackcraft cult shirt, my uh, LGBT Blackcraft cult shirt. I wear it all the time, man. It's a flag upside down with pentagrams <laughs> for the stars. Blackcraft cult. Period. One Go nation, ahead. no God. Love it. And I don't wear it to get attention i wear it i i really wear it to let people know that know that i'm you know, i'm on your side and i'm on your friend i am literally wearing something all over my body to let you know even if you don't want to come up and talk to me that i'm your friend and i got your back that's why i wear that stuff yeah man i mean i definitely uh <laughs> like a couple of months ago I went into a, I went into a place. There's a guy opening the door for us. Dean Ambrose hat. And we talked about nice. it for a second. It's the same thing I've always like. We talked about Kiss earlier. I, anybody that's wearing a Kiss T-shirt, I feel like I can go up and I could talk to talk to. You know, you made an instant buddy. Man, uh, there's probably lots of stuff like that. You know, but uh, forget Deadpool. I'm not. I, you wearing a Deadpool <laughs> shirt? I don't care. Yeah, we're I still don't friends. Care. I love, I, like, I, I bump into people all the time at work the other day. I was leaving work, and uh, the guy was wearing a Golden Lover's hat. Stopped him. Oh, gave him a, wow. Gave him a too sweet, all of a sudden, friends. I hugged him. Like, it was an immediate hug. I hug a stranger. Golden Lover's hat? That means he's in the know. And not just <laughs> in the know, but he's down with everything. And yeah. new friend, immediately. And wrestling's everywhere. I just want to wrap this a uh, uh, little... Uh, our bit of a WCW, WWF, NXT. We didn't really talk about WCW or NXT. I'm just checking. But 
Plenty of podcasts left for Zara. I just want to say and wrap this up. Uh, my friend Candace, I was in a band with her. She posted a picture of uh, Cindy Lauper in a in a in the Super Mario show from back in like '92, <laughs> and she's like, yeah. "I can't believe this happened." And I immediately started writing, "Okay, the guy that plays." Mario is actually Captain Lou Albano, one of the greatest classic wrestlers of all time from WWE and a bunch of uh, territory days. And he's the guy that played her dad in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun That's video. Right. And yeah. she's all he's also the one that she came out with at WrestleMania number one as a manager. And mm-hmm. I just hashtagged it, wrestling's everywhere. She, Cindy Lauper, is a diehard wrestling fan and has always been so. Liberace yeah. was playing the music <laughs> at WrestleMania One, man. Rest, wrestling's everywhere, and guys, uh, we just uh, want to wrap this up and hope you enjoyed us talking about this. We we talked about the uh, mainstream tonight. Tomorrow we're talking about we're gonna put it. Post it on a mini episode because we're going to talk about uh, Impact Ring Honor in Japan tomorrow with O'Josh. And because <laughs> this is no longer a podcast, it's an audio magazine. And we love you and we hope you're safe. And thanks for being in our audience. Colin, you got anything to wrap up? Um, just burn it down, everybody. Burn, burn it, it down. down. Peace out. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Holy shit.